Wait, wait, wait. You've never seen Paid in Full. A low down dirty shame. Acrimony. It's yes. Christmas. No, I don't think I have. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Does It Hold Up? Where we watch all those black films you know and love. Oh, wait. Yeah, nobody talks about this movie. <laughs> At the end, I was like, hey, Joe. Um. <laughs> and we ask. Does it hold up? Does it hold up? So then guys, we have to ask now, does it hold up? Now, on to the show. <clears throat> Ricky! <laughs> oh my god. No. <laughs> I have to do that so bad. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay guys! <laughs> Happy New Year, we are here. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I really wanted to do that. Um, so hi everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Does It Hold Up? And it's the new year, it's 2021. Um, and we are very, very excited to be here once again. Um, so this month's like theme. For our films are, you know, like, we're going for, like, gangster, like, hood, gangster, like, 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 in a gang type hood classic films. Um, And so this month, we're watching, uh, we said we were going to watch four films, but I think we're only going to get to do three of them because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're only going to end up doing three because then we want to move on to the, the February film. So we don't want it to bleed over. Um, because I don't think this, but anyway, so the first film that we're watching, if you did not gauge from that quote just now, is Boys in the Hood. The classic 1991, <laughs> the classic 1991 film by John Singleton, may he rest in peace. Isn't his birthday coming up too, Camille? Yeah, like this entire cast was born in January. That's crazy. Are you serious? Yeah, it's his so birthday, Morris Chestnut's birthday, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s birthday, you know Regina King's birthday. That tracks. That tracks. Actually. It does. It does. That tracks. The entire cast is Capricorns. I actually believe that. I actually fully. <laughs> you don't even need it to honestly explain. makes sense. It completely makes sense. It makes yeah, so much sense. So much sense. But um, so that's what we're watching today. So before we jump into our conversation, as usual, guys, how how's it going? How's life? How's it hanging? What you well, been we watching? We just watched the poop on national TV. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the coop, the coop, Klux Klan. Oh my god! Because of yeah. that, I had to start smoking again. I was like, "Girl, you know, I, I gave up dry January. I gave I up dry January. Gave it up. Are you doing I dry January? I dry January. Not I anymore. Smoking for like two weeks, just because you know I was taking a nice, cute little break." I right, come back of course. From therapy, turn on the TV. God damn. shit happening at the Capitol. I said, "Where's my blunt?" The, fa- <laughs> the fact that you, the fact that you came straight from therapy to that. Wow. Like, I have I therapy would, like, tomorrow. Want to go back in time? I have therapy tomorrow, and I can't wait to spend the entire fifty minutes just going. <laughs> uh, so, what country can I move to? <laughs> Honestly, um, I know I emailed um, my therapist. Just like well. I got family in Kenya, so if you're trying to roll with me and head over there, like you know what they want we us to it. go back to Africa anyway. It might be, it <laughs> might be. That's the thing. People 
Now it's feeling like the time. Bumping. Like when I went back to Kenya, because it was the first time I'd been back since I was six. And I don't really Really? remember the last time I went back. Yeah. So when I went back in, it was either 2017 or 2018. Like I was. I remember you telling me about it. It was so nice because I was walking around. I'm like, black people. There's no racism (laughs) here. It's just classism. This is so nice. And like the idea that Africans don't want like American black people is also so false. Is it? Really? Oh, it's completely false. Like, they didn't care. I mean, they could tell that I wasn't from Kenya because of the way that I talked. But it wasn't like they were like, ah, stupid American. I'd be like, hey. And they'd be like, oh, what's up, my sister? And I'm like, your sister? You know know what's crazy? I saw, this was like early this year, like when everybody, or or was it last year when everybody was doing like the year of the return um, shit. And I was like, damn, like, I want to be in Lagos too. Right? (laughs) Bitch, I want to go to Africa. No, um, Africa is so 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 nice in all honesty but yeah and also too like so after I saw the capital you know literally get takeover and storm yeah, yeah. I said uh, I need black excellence today so I finally watched black is king because I Did was saving you? it for a day Ooh. that I really needed it and girl boy, okay tell me what was your favorite tell me what was your favorite tell me your favorite like black is king scene scene and I'll tell you mine after I honestly don't think I have one because I already listened to the whole album on repeat like oh, the year that oh, it came out. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I'll say about that. And mm-hmm. this is me going against like my very core. Beyonce <laughs> Beyonce did on Blackest King what Kendrick thought he did with the Black Panther soundtrack. <gasps> oh, you know what? Let me see. And you know what? I also really love, well, I mean, it's also, I think, different. Like, when I listen to Black Absolutely King, I'm is. like, Africa, right? But when I listened to the Black Panther soundtrack, because I really loved that soundtrack as well, I was like, no, this is for oh, me like, too. Black Americans. I don't know. I get a different vibe from each of them. So I understand, okay. like, what you're saying, but Black is King, I was like, no, these are these are my African roots. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and I hated how everybody, especially when that trailer first dropped and everybody was, like, on Twitter trying to drag my sis, and I was like, don't make me. Because I will get, I will fight all of y'all. If we all have of you do way too much. It's just an adaptation of The Lion King. Exactly. You're, you're like digging too hard. Exactly. And the thing is, is even just when she it. released it, and even when she released it in 2019, the album, it was very clear that's what it was. Right. Like we're yeah. watching this on Disney Plus. Do you understand? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was. Exactly. It was so fucking clear even before the film came out that this is what the soundtrack was supposed to be. Yeah, people were like digging a little too much into it. Yeah, Absolutely. and then Miss Tina and Miss Tina had to come out and say, "Y'all not gonna come, and, and, t- and y'all not gonna, y'all not gonna, not my baby." Exactly. Uh-uh. And then they tried to come for her when she didn't do anything but what any other black mother would have done. What you're not gonna other... talk about my child. And mm-hmm. the fact is, is it? Is, I think people is like when they see like, oh, she's a celebrity. She gets like, "This is her child. This right. is her baby. Y'all are playing." This, this girl, baby. Beyonce came out of her vagina. You think she's she going to defend Beyonce to her dying <laughs> breath? She's going to defend her kids? Like, what are you talking about? Right, and she Literally. made Beyonce and Solange. You're, you're not going to try to get her together about anything. You mm-hmm. that, And mm-hmm. that's all, period. You're not getting Miss Tina together about shit. All that woman does is repost concert videos on her Instagram <laughs> yes. and try and get people and try and get people to vote. What the fuck yes, is she doing, y'all? I will say really good dad jokes. Like her jokes, hilarious. Absolutely. I love them. I love her jokes. Yeah. I will say that the the Black Hollywood repost gang does stress me out. I don't follow Miss Tina. Viola Davis. I don't follow Tina Knowles. I don't follow And Janet her. Jackson will repost anything on this internet. <laughs> 
See, I don't follow I'm like, her. Come on, Janet Jackson, you're Janet Jackson. See, I don't follow her on Instagram. Yeah. I just, I just, just pop go in. period. I just pop in when I want to see when I want to see a joke. Girl, did mm-hmm. you see when I want to see like literally the spitting image of Beyonce? <laughs> like when I tell you, <laughs> when I tell you, I saw those pictures Beyonce posted on her website on Ugh. um New Year's Eve, and I said that is Miss Tina's face. Like, yep, girl, she is. She is getting there. Like yeah. she's giving she, face. She's giving Miss Tina. Fully giving that face. She's giving Miss <laughs> Tina. Okay, so my favorite scene from Black and Pink, mm-hmm. based on like the fashions, um, yes. because mostly I feel like for me it, that was a really really big part of it. Obviously, oh, yes. because with Beyonce, it, it always is going to be. It's a t- it's a tie. It's a tie. Okay, so I'm gonna say actually I'm gonna say my favorite scene was um when they did already. But as far as the fashion, I was hoping you would say already. I was hoping you would say already. Because wasn't it so good? It was so good. And that's another thing about Black is King is like, this is the first time, at least in an American context, that I've seen like African culture as beauty versus as like barbarian, if that makes Mm. sense. And I think that was her goal. And I think obviously that was her goal, you know, but my favorite favorite, like scene as far as the fashions, it's a tie. Between find your way, yeah, and mm. find your way back, and move forever, move forever, per- right, exactly. Move forever was it? I think oh. my favorite look in the entire Blackest King is that blue dress that I she's knew wearing. You were and move. Say that. Oh, yes. I love a good dramatic dress with a hat. Oh and she's, <laughs> and she served it to me so well. I stayed up until what? Well, when did it drop? At like midnight it was on, a midnight yeah it was midnight on that day and it i had to be at work at five o'clock the next morning um but did i <laughs> give a fuck and a half. did i give a fuck oh nope. <laughs> nope i stayed up because i i needed it and i feel like with yeah. beyonce always like she comes exactly she she always shows up with excellence exactly when i need a battery put back in my back like get back to work you know what i mean literally yeah and i watched it and i was so inspired isn't that that's what i do sometimes when i need inspiration i'm gonna go i i have lost count on all fingers and toes all limbs how many times i've seen homecoming and sometimes Uh, i will any day sometimes and sometimes i'll just go back to watch my favorite part um yeah me too (laughs) like i just need and, and most of my favorite parts are the parts where she's just working um, yeah. it's just, it's just, the, it's just the behind the scenes stuff. I, I love seeing it's that. Also, it makes, it kind of humanizes her so much. Cause we do put Beyonce on such a high pedestal. To of course. How much work and effort she actually puts into the work and how much she cares. Cause I feel like, especially for a lot of artists, as big as she is, we don't see that work ethic, at least like on our own screens. No. Right. Whereas Beyonce's like, no, this was like an eight month long process. Like yeah. you worked day in and day out to achieve. You know it. what? Gets like, wait, me? so you mean I can work day in and day out to achieve? No, you cannot. Like too? No, you right. cannot, Lindsay. I... You have a full time job. I do. You're busy. I do. And you do, you do you do not have hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't. You, you I have don't. to you have to cook your own meals. I do. Uh. I do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but no, you cannot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so for me, it was that was like a really big, it was a big deal for me. Um, seeing Black is King, so I'm glad you finally watched it. Yes, um, to get to get through that insanity. The only thing that was getting me through that was the fact that um I didn't I think I didn't have to work that day. Thank God. 
and I'm amazing. I, I'm amazing. I, I literally stayed in bed all way, all day and watched like my feel good show, which is Sex in the City. Oh, um, yay. So, understandable, understandable. <laughs> so I'm now rewatching Sex in the City. As far as new things, I know every time I come, I'm like, guys, I'm listening to this new true crime podcast. <laughs> I have new. I love the true crime. I love the true crime. I haven't listened to anything new. I did finally start listening to Becoming on Audible um, and super love it. Uh, it has made me cry already once. Um, <laughs> so. I I'm I'm super into that, but besides that, I haven't really been watching anything new or listening to anything mm-hmm. new. Um, but aside, what about you, Camille? Is anything anything fun? Yeah. Right now, I've been like deep in the um, In Vogue podcast. It's Condé Nast podcast. In, what is that? Not In Vogue, like oh, the not group. the singing group. Oh, you're talking. <laughs> Honestly, maybe we should do it. It's actually like Vogue magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay 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 it's okay i was on the run there, i'm here now i'm here now yes we're all here i know when i said it i was like <laughs> go poorly um but yes it's vogue's podcast it's Condé Nast podcast and it's i guess each season will be a different decade but the first season they did really was oh and each I have to episode is about different facets of like the things that shaped the fashion industry in the 90s. So the first episode is about the rise of the supermodel and how like these girls went from just being kind of like faces on a page to like people that you knew their names and you cared about. And they're saying it's like strictly because of like George, the George Michael freedom video with all the supermodels. They said that changed everything. They said it changed everything. And all of a sudden everyone wanted to like know these people. There's, um, I just listened to a great episode about brands in the nineties. They focused on Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren and Donna Karen. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, um, this sounds like exactly your niche. I know I'm loving it. Um, the low life crew. They were, yeah, they were um, these niggas in Brooklyn who just stayed (laughs) poloed up, like head to toe all the time. And they basically are what made polo like a hip hop brand. You know, what's crazy is we were just talking about on our episode of Where My Girl's At. um, Yes. Because we were were talking about, um, the, the episode was basically about our rap girls to pop. And like, obviously that's ridiculous. But what I mentioned what I had mentioned was like that pop culture is hip hop culture. And then I got into this whole rant about streetwear and like yes. how, where it came, where it came from. Oh, and that's honestly, just like- <laughs> you should listen there. I didn't get to it yet, but there's an episode about how hip hop shaped the fashion industry in the nineties. Oh, I can't I didn't wait. Get- Versace? Yeah, it's- Duh. It's amazing. They have interviews from like just everyone who was there. Like they have Calvin Klein talking about creating Calvin Klein. They have people who gave like shitty reviews of stuff that really took off. It's called In Vogue. Okay. Um, But there's a lot of, there's a, not the, not the group. I am (laughs) Vogue. Okay. But um, the team behind it obviously worked really hard. Like the research has been done. You're having interviews with like insane people, but they all got fired. What? Um, that's why I found out about the podcast. Right. Yeah, a black woman. I can't remember her name right now, but she was on the team. They like say her name at the end of every episode, and Who they did the research. She said to be rewarded for our hard work for this like critically acclaimed podcast, making these connections, doing all this research. We all were just laid off. She's like, I'm kind what of in shock. The fuck? Yeah, and she's like, there is going to be a season two, but it won't. 
be uh, like it won't be this team. Is it gonna be? Just so, so you is, all know, is it, is it on the decades? I guess so. The first one is just the nineties, because that's right. Like I would love to get into I all hear of about it. Deanna Vreeland. I want yes. to talk about her yeah. run in Vogue. I want and they to- do they do touch on other decades in a way of like, so this is like how we got here. It's very, very cool. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So oh, but since we're like, okay, but since yeah. we're on the subject of uh, this is the last thing, and then we're gonna get into it, y'all. Can yeah. we talk about Kamala's um <sighs> Vogue covers? Have you seen them, Lyndon? No, I have not even heard of them. Okay, go to Twitter. About? Go to Twitter right it's, yeah, I wanna now. this is your live reaction. And look Wait, up Kamala's Vogue cover. Yeah, what? yeah yep. that's all yep. you have to type in. And look it up. There's right two now. of them. There are two of them. Both of them are bad, but one of them is worse one than the other. One of them is other. really bad. <laughs> okay, I, wait, I, I'm I gonna assume that the one that's worse than the other is the black and white one. There's a black and white one. Oh wait. See, and now they're just doing is damage control and releasing her, shit. Like, Twitter. Go, just Google. It's Bro, literally it's trending. Be, it's the it's top trending. of the town. It's trending. No, it's the one with the like green and black in the back. Why is she wearing Converse? It's green. And- Why is it's she wearing green. fucking Chuck <laughs> Taylor shoes? Exactly, Lyndon. It's it's Wait. green and pink. Yeah, it's green and pink. Oh, I thought I saw something else that might have been. Fun. Oh, are you talking also about the gold one with the? Blue? There's yes. that one too. There's that one too. They just released that one today. Okay, that one. The quality of the picture, like it's a crisp image. Whatever camera. Completely they use, different. Good job. Good job. Completely different. This they have the vice president of the United States on the cover of Vogue wearing con- dirty Converse at that. Dirty Converse, yeah. 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 Well, for, yeah. What? for what? What What are we are saying they, with this image? They, they did not even take a picture of her feet, clearly. You know are these jeans? I, I think those are jeans, yeah. It's like just pants. bad. And the thing about it that upsets me is she knows it's bad. So why didn't she, she say does. What do they think they're doing? She does know it's bad. She I kind of don't hate it, but I really? don't like that it's Kamala that looks like this, if that makes it's sense. It's just a fashion First of all, the first there's no fashion happening. It's blown out. This image is blown the fuck out. Like, she looks exactly. washed you're right. out. You're right. Like, you know, there's no fashion that's happening in this picture. I like the idea did of, you like, see? a casual photo. However, the fact that it's Kamala, because we never see Kamala dressed down. So it doesn't make sense that it's Kamala on the cover wearing jeans and dirty Converse. Have you seen um, that that thread, Camille, where they were talking about yesterday about how bad American Vogue has gotten? Um, oh, like well, how- yeah. This conversation has been happening all year. Um, and the fact of the matter is Anna Wintour doesn't give a shit about what we have to say. She truly, and, and the she, thing is, is they just, just keep, keep promoting doing- her. They just yeah. keep promoting her. She now has a new title where she's like the entire brand director of Condé Nast and that's all yep. of the magazines that's what that's Vogue in style Condé Cosmo Condé Nast owns, owns Condé Nast they're like maybe three or four fucking fashion magazines that Condé Nast doesn't own so that's so now she's in charge of all of those and yeah. she seems to just have lost the fucking plot American fashion is having a weird time. Well, the, well, actually, the tea is black people are running American fashion right now. I and, mean, and she yeah, seems yeah. to just not Pyra Moss, Telfar, like Brother Valley's, like these are the things that people are wearing. Yeah, well, like these are the things that people are wearing. And I'm so mad that Carly are going to have to like shut down her brand because I, I wish know. I could have afforded uh, it. I wish I could have afforded it. It was real sad. I mean, but a I lot of brands have been like- hit. Really it's bad. been very common that Vogue just does it, especially black people. Photograph American Vogue, though, because American if we talk Vogue, about yes. other Vogues, they yeah, got it. But American stunning. Vogue, and apparently, according to what I'm reading on Twitter, of course, this is Twitter. It seems like Kamala's team was also. But that's like, where I get all my news. So, 
that's just where I get off my news. <laughs> but, like, the juxtaposition between, like, her time photo and this photo, like, why is this photo blurry? The like, fucking, why is the quality not that The lighting good? is so fucking horrible. This is the worst. And, and the fact is, is, like, I want to know who took these pictures. I want to know who was in charge of editing them. I want to know who was in charge of, like, saying yes. This gets the Anna Winator's death. Who fucking you? And then I saw somebody tweet like they had her in low top chucks. She couldn't even low get platform. Chucks with her ankles out. Do you know they? What I about those say, like really go, cute like, high top or nothing? What about those really cute like Calm Digger song Nike like platform ones that came out a couple years ago? Like platform Nike like uh um what do you call those shoes uh Cortez or whatever? Yeah, and they were, yeah, yeah. They were yeah. The, you know the ones I'm talking about? I've been obsessed with those. I wish I could afford them, but they could have put her in that. If we're talking fashion. This, like, yeah, this whole look, like, they could have achieved this whole, like, casual thing that they're going for in just a much better way. For the vice president of the United States of America. And I understand. In front of this wrinkly fabric. And I get it. It's supposed to be your AKA colors. But yeah. literally, literally, you could have done that mm-hmm. in a much better way. This yeah. is she lazy. couldn't have she couldn't have shown her face at an AKA function dressed like that. Oh oh f- oh absolutely the fuck they not. would have sent no. her right home. They, they would have looked her up and down and she would have walked out by herself easily. They <laughs> wouldn't they wouldn't have had to say nothing at AKA. You think you're gonna show us at some Jack and Jill function with some fucking chucks on and some jeans? <laughs> you out your motherfucking mind. But um anyway, so that's the tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is the more um, I look at it, the more I'm like, mm, it's it's like, fucking yo. it's it's fucking lazy. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's poorly done, and you could you could have seen in like the proofs that this is poorly done before you even right. sent them to the fucking editor. I mean, this is, thing this is too. It looks like they were like, oh, she's on the cover. That's enough activism for today. Like what? Oh, people you have. Know what? Like, you're right. People you're right. have been doing their own photo shoots at home that so look better, better than, than this. this. So much better than this. That photographer and model, Kimberly, I follow her on Twitter, um, and she does basically all of her photo shoots in her, like, guest bedroom. And these are the most inventive, like, creative photo shoots that you can imagine. And she has, like, a room that's, like, the size of maybe, like, a fucking, like, regular-ass bedroom and a camera. And she... And she makes props out of fucking cardboard boxes and cotton and shit. And you're yeah. telling me she's more creative than the people you have on staff at fucking Vogue magazine? Yeah. 130 plus fucking years. And this is what you can do. And this is all you have to offer us. It's disgusting to me. It's disgusting yeah. to me. But on to some actual black excellence. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about Boys in the Hood, guys. Yes. So before we actually get into talking about the movie, obviously I'm going to do that thing I do where I just read all the stats from Wikipedia, but I think it's really important for this one um, that I do read these. So the film stars Ice Cube, Cuba mm-hmm. Gooding Jr., Morris Chestnut, Lawrence Fishburne, Nia Long, Angela Bassett, and it features a brief cameo from Regina King. Let's just, let's just talk about the, I mean, even there, and you know that John Singleton, I don't know if you guys knew this, but he was the one who did the casting. And let me tell you the story. And let me tell you the story of how to happen (laughs) that I found literally on Wikipedia. So the role of Doughboy was, was written for Ice Cube. He met, 
uh, John Singleton, the director and the writer, when John Singleton was working as an intern on the Arsenio Hall show. Yes, and And then he also noted that the studio did not know that Ice Cube was a member of NWA at the time. And did you know, and did you guys know that Ice Cube actually wrote the song Boys in the Hood, that Easy E song? He wrote that whole song. I did not know that. I had no fucking clue. He wrote it all. He used to write, but he used to write all of NWA's raps. And then when he mm-hmm. left the group, when he left the group, he wrote that diss track, No Vaseline, talking about, because, you know, because you, know, you, 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 you have to listen to No Vaseline, because that's a diss track, baby. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but I've you, never even heard of that. Hold on. But you know, but you know, what's, you know what's famous is like, you know what's uh, so funny to me is like Dr. Dre, and I hope he's, you know, recovering well, but very infamously, or I guess famously, he doesn't write any of his own raps. And no one ever talks about the fact that Dr. Dre does not write any of his own raps, and yet we come for women in rap all the time. If some, if I they mean, steal, if they right, steal right. one phrase, if a man writes one phrase mm. on their shit, it's oh she's not a rapper. Dr. Dre has never written any of his own raps. No. Easy E, basically Ice Cube was writing all of the shit for N.W.A. Like the whole yeah. thing, Ice Cube was writing, which is crazy to me. But I did not know that he wrote the song "Boys in the Hood." which is um, what this is like kind of evolved into because it was an idea because when John Singleton was applying for film school, one of the questions on the application was to describe three ideas for films. And so this Boys in the Hood was evolved from the original um, concept, which was Summer of 84. And so then it became that. And the reason that Cuba Gooding Jr. and Morris Chestnut were cast in this because they were the first people to show up to audition. <laughs> yes. What? They were they were the first people to show up to auditions, and so he cast them. And then like nothing else? <laughs> that's what it says. That's the and we can't we can't ask him because rest may he rest in peace, but he died a couple years ago. He, he, oh, yeah, that's true. true. Very like, famously. Last year, I feel like. Oh, was it last? I'd see that year was so fucking long. Yeah. But yeah, he did die. He had uh, an aneurysm and then he went into a coma and they took him off life support because they said he was Damn. not going to wake up. It sucks. It sucks because yeah. they were in the middle of Snowfall. Um, and if you have not seen Snowfall, you should watch it. Uh, I have not. I have oh, sh- oh, baby, that's good. It, <laughs> might be a little, it, might be, it might be a little violent for you, but it's good. Yeah, if, I don't if know you saw Narcos, I can take right now. If you, saw, if, you, if you saw Narcos, you can handle it. I never it. saw Narcos. No. Oh. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I think the most violent uh, thing I watched recently <laughs> was like Killing Eve, and even that I had to like. Killing watch Eve, each they season. really couch it. They couch it though. I think the violence in um in Narcos and um Snowfall is much more violent than Killing Eve, which I yeah, still I love. can't handle that then because I can barely handle Killing Eve. <laughs> oh, 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 and we can talk Killing Eve later. I feel like we've talked about it before, but we'll talk Killing Eve we'll later because we'll I because fu- I fucking love that show. Um. <laughs> So then, and then Lawrence Fishburne was cast after Singleton met him on the set of Pee Wee's Playhouse, where John <laughs> yes. Singleton, where John Singleton was working as a PA and a security guard. Excuse a me, P, a P, a production assistant and a security guard. At like, PB's did he Playhouse. have aspirations to act? Or I have, I have no clue. But you know, he was one. He did that. He did that Spike Lee thing where he would always make a cameo in his films, and right. he actually he made a cameo in this film too. I'm, I want you guys to guess where it was if you don't know um but also if you everybody listening doesn't know this kind of launched the careers of cuba gooding jr everybody more morris chestnut nia long it was high it was it was ice cubes like it launched his hollywood actor career 
And it was Angela Bassett and Regina King's first significant film role. Wow. Really? Yeah. I don't this know movie, about Angela Bassett, but I could tell for Regina King because she looked so young. And she is. She was very yeah. young. But I guess, so re- I guess, I guess, relatively. Now let's talk about the awards, okay. <laughs> if I may. Let's go. So, let's get it. So this was nominated. It won an NAACP for uh, for Outstanding Motion Picture. It won mm. a movie. It was nominated for Movie of the Year. It was nominated for Best New Filmmaker, or it won. He won for Best New Filmmaker at the MTV Movie Awards. It was. It, it, he got. He won all of the film. Like everything he was nominated for at the New York uh, Film Critics Circle, which they always say is like one of the big deciders of like what's getting nominated for Academy. If you if you're mm-hmm. into like award season and how that whole thing leads up, like there's a great podcast on it. Um, Variety has. Ooh. If you're if if that's your if that's your gig about award season and how all that shit happens and leads up to the Academy Award nominations, I would listen to it. But um, he won Best New Director at the New York Film Critics Circle. Um, and very famously and very historically, John Singleton, at the age of 24, became the youngest and first African-American director to ever be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. Are you shitting me? The first African-American in 1991 and the first, the youngest director in the history of the award show at 24. And he also got nominated for Best Original Screenplay. He didn't win either of those awards. Damn. I, th- I, think, that, I think that's a shame. I really think it's a oh, shame. Absolutely. I want to know what won that year. Oh okay, now I got to look it up. It was 64. Yeah. It was the 64th Academy Awards. Let me Google. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, team. He, he won for that. And then for Best Original. Oh, yeah, Thelma. Thelma. Like, okay, so the nominees, the nominees were Bugsy which is that uh um that movie about Bugsy Siegel um Grand Canyon uh um The Fisher King I don't know what the fuck that oh that's Robin Williams yep and Thelma and okay. Lu- Louise Thelma and Louise won absolutely oh, should not yeah, have won no. absolutely yeah, no. should not have beat I love Thelma and Louise but hell fucking no but it's no. not giving with they yeah <laughs> hell fucking no I it should not have beat time this. period Thelma and Louise was kind of like of course, mental, but like, Hell yeah, I love Thelma I mean, Louise. I haven't watched it yet too, so I can't really gauge. I trust your opinion though. <laughs> it's oh, I love Thelma Louise, but don't fucking it does not it does not beat this. So I will it, say that I'm surprised it was nominated because really a lot of times, especially black movies like these, some of well, them are. We're gonna talk like, about that. Yeah, too. We're gonna talk about that because I have thoughts. Yeah, I, I was just saying, especially when it comes to the Academy, because I really don't hold any gauge on the Academy anymore. It's very clear mm. that they're racist. That's besides the point. Yeah. But a lot of times the movies that they do nominate it nominate, like we've seen in 2019 with Green Book, are right. black stories written for a white audience. But you know, yes. but you know, I do think over the years that it's led to that. I do feel if we like want to move like backward, it hasn't mm. always it hasn't always been completely that way you know okay. like i'm, I'm not gonna say, say boys in the hood is a black movie for it's a, a very it's a it's a very black movie for a black that is exactly yes. the perfect way to put it and i think it's so interesting that it is and we're gonna get into this when we start talking about act one so i'll save it um and mm-hmm. just um uh, i only have two more points and that yeah. is this film uh shot in sequential order so he shot it literally in you know because most times when they shoot films yeah they'll they'll do it but he shot he shot it in sequential order and he says in his like liner notes about it is like 
um, you can see that the camera work gets better because he's learning so much about himself as, and how to direct a film. So you can mm. see from the beginning of the film to the end of the film, the quality just, in, it just gets better and better and better. Yeah. And so in 2002, almost like what, over 10 years after the film was released, the United States Library of Congress deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and selected yes. it for pre- and selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry, which is wow. where they put which is where they mm. put all of the films that are important to life in in the <laughs> if you if you look up the films that are in the because I was talking about on my other podcast too about how there are all these like black you know race films from the 1920s when they're mm. when they when they had this like black like renaissance it was like this really big black independent film movement and there were yeah. hundreds of black and there were hundreds of black film production companies that came up in the 1920s but we'll never see those films because they're lost to time we'll never, never. be able to see them most of them are lost to history which sucks because you don't get to see all this black excellence and so people think it's the first time we've really had this renaissance of black people in film but it's absolutely not and if you do a simple google search yeah and for people that don't understand you know how they got lost in history so this is when like silent films were a thing and the exactly so the reason why a lot of them are lost in history is because the film reels would go from theater to theater like down almost, and they would just go bad and then they would just eventually go bad and then at whatever theater was at the end of the tour a lot of times they would literally like throw it into rivers throw it just and then that's it and, and then, then sometimes, or sometimes, or sometimes they sit in like a really hot place and then it mm-hmm. catches fire and there's nothing you can do about it. Cause there's no proof. There's no backup. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the thing about, and the thing about black people is they did have to do that thing where they couldn't make multiple reels of their film. So they had to it pass so it around. Yep. So it, there, there's literally just one copy of the film. And if it's gone, it's gone. And that's uh-huh. what happened to a lot of black films um, that you'll, we'll just never see. But this film is in the Library of Congress. And um, yeah, so that is, so let's jump in to act one. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Yes, so hello everyone, I'm Lyndon, and welcome to act one of Voice of the Hood. We start off in 1984 with our little boy Trey schooling his teacher. I love that. Clearly a white teacher in a low-income, mm-hmm. predominantly black neighborhood. I have many qualms about that, but that's a conversation for a different day. He but it is jokes. true. And you know but what that's it a part is of the conversation. That. Yeah, it's You know what it is, though? Yeah. is like, because I had the same thing in my high school. Like, my high school, it was one of those, like, selective enrollment high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm using quotes because that's really how they try and separate. Mm-hmm. These are the smart kids. and these are. But it was in Inglewood. Right. But it was in mm-hmm. Inglewood. And I had maybe two or three black teachers. I that's being generous. I don't even think I had that many my whole time there. But the yeah. thing is, is they tell these in Chicago public schools, what they'll tell these kids is if you go teach in a low income neighborhood for five years, we'll forgive your student loan. Yeah. That's exactly like, what, what it is. Fuck? And then you have these teachers that are completely disconnected from the neighborhood. Completely. Not yeah. understand half of the stuff that these kids are going through. And instead yeah. of trying to empathize with these children. They really try and embarrass them. Like she's in here teaching yeah. this revisionist yeah. history about the the first Thanksgiving and shit, right. calling them pilgrims instead of calling them colonizers. And you just like can't relate. Like I just people underestimate the importance of children being able to relate to the adults around them, especially yeah. children. Like, I went to a especially children. Yeah. High school, 
and I had maybe one black teacher and she didn't even like me. So yeah, well, yeah, was- yep. <laughs> if wow. you're not in with the black teacher, then you basically, you, you just out of luck. I think it's a good thing. Like, I did not have a single one. And I think both of my sisters, my older sister had one and my younger sister had one, but we both didn't have them until high school. Yeah. That's a, yeah, you I know what's you know what's very haunting. I know we jump right to the the thing about the the teacher in the classroom, yeah. but there is the the part before it where there's like at the beginning there's this conversation that's like so haunting about how like basically how this cycle of violence happens in the hood, you know, yeah. quote unquote, about how like you know it's like oh you did this blah blah, blah. I'm gonna go get this person then there's gunfire and then the and then these kids, you know, Trey and all of his, his little friends, mm-hmm. they go they go and see a dead body, which, you know, John Singleton, obviously, very clearly, it's an ode to Stand By Me, um, which is the coming of age film from the 80s with all those little white kids where they have that yeah, really brilliant. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's a great, amazing film. I love it. And it's well, I'm just talking about like this, like setting up this like juxtaposition between the two movies is like, absolutely. Brilliant. Oh, absolutely. It's That's brilliant. how little. That's a little white boys come of age, and this is how lots of little, little black, black kids come boys. of age. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and and it's crazy because these kids are so hardened by life. He's like, I ain't afraid of no gun. And then the little girl says something that literally my mama told me. She said, "A bullet don't have a name on it. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. bullet don't have a yeah. name on it." Okay, so I totally get that. But um, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lyndon. Continue. No, no, it's totally fine. So Trey, he gets up to teach us like, oh, like you want to teach a class? And he's like, yeah. And he actually teaches like real history about something important from East Africa. Yeah. Um, And then he gets, you know, in the fight with the kid. Because the little boy says, start fighting. He's like, I ain't from Africa. I'm from Crenshaw Mafia. (laughs) Boy (laughs) said, I ain't from Africa. I'm from Crenshaw Mafia. I know. He said, said, you're from. You know what? You'll (laughs) learn eventually. You'll learn eventually. It's cool. It's cool. You're young. You are from Africa. He said, you African booty scratcher. I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It took me back. It really so did. So it makes sense why they fought. I would have fought him, too. And then. <laughs> <laughs> so then this is where we meet Angela Bassett as the mother. Yes. And she sends him to his dad's house because she's in a Ph.D. program, I believe. And no, it's a master's program. Her master's, yeah. Oh, a yeah. master's program. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was Ph.D. because of what happens later in the movie. But that's what I was playing. So she's doing her master's and she's like, you know what? If you act up again, you're going to go to your dad's. And he does. Meet the dad. The dad. You know, know what's funny? I, I have a weird thing with dads because. I, no. I, we know. We know. We know. We know. <laughs> Lyndon, don't even. No, you don't have to explain yourself this time. Lawrence Fishburne looks fabulous he does, in this movie. He does look good in this movie. He looks he That does. is a fine pair. Angela Bass and Lawrence Fishburne. So you know what's funny? Sense. Yeah. He but you know what's. So... It, that, that does what. That is what attracts you. Is he has common sense? Because that's the same thing you said about Joe. That's the I same did. thing you said about I Joe. Did. He said, I did. Sense. I did. He said, a nigga talking sense? Sign me up. Sign me up. Wait, but you know what's you know what's funny from me, who the the resident um broken home child, you can <laughs> I can't tell you. I can't tell you what a threat it was when my mom said, I'm going to send you to go live with your daddy. I instantly run to the kitchen and wash the dishes. Oh my God. I I instantly run to the kitchen and wash all the dishes. I'm polishing the floors. You're not going to send me to that nigga house. My daddy has, my my daddy had four kids and he had two bowls at his house. I said, I said, said, 
that's it, that's it, mommy. That nigga ain't got no cable over there. Please, please don't send me that. <laughs> it was such a threat when she said we had to go live with our daddy. So I felt Trey when he was mad as fuck about this. Because you I was can tell. Wondering why Trey was so hesitant to go live with his dad because it doesn't seem like it's like a terrible situation. At least did you see that tub, girl? It's you're just right, also it's right. just like little and moving and you're it's annoying. Yeah, it really yeah. isn't. You don't want to be doing that because you're uprooting yourself from like what is your base, which is your right. mother. And as much as you battle it out with your mother, like me and my mom are in a fight right now. I would choose her any day over living with my damn daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would too. I would absolutely. But you, but absolutely. you know what it is? It's like it's very clear at the beginning that Lawrence Fisherman is a weekend parent. Right. Like, yeah. He 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 ain't a seven days a week kind of nigga. He not ten toes down cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay, he's a <laughs> week. I'm making breakfast, lunch, and dinner though. Girl, stop. You're not gonna do this again. You're not. You're not gonna do this again. You're not gonna do this. Again. Not gonna do this again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't stop myself. Hold okay, on. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lyndon. You okay. need to see them as Ike and Tina so that it'll go away. Okay. That is. That's okay. what no, I have I to do. That's what I have to do. That's what I have. They're Ike and Tina always. Um, so- <laughs> okay continue I'm sorry go ahead go ahead so he goes to live with his dad you know he meets up with some of his friends and the first thing his dad tells him like the second he gets to the house is you better rake up all these leaves like that literally <laughs> literally he's eight and he's doing it for so long and I felt Manual so bad labor. watching the montage of him yeah, like- leaves because I was like this is the most inefficient way to do this this quite literally it was awful it was awful but his dad was like I better not see one leaf on this lawn and I'm like, what's going to happen? You going to not go let him eat? Exactly. <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, does manual labor really make you a man? That's I mean, I wouldn't know because I don't do it. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what upsets me. I hate this whole, um, I am his mother. Because that's what Angela Bassett says to Lawrence Fishburne when she drops him off. She's like, I can't teach him how to be a man. And my question is, what does that mean? Exactly. exactly. That's exactly what I, I said. I thought the same exact thing. Because like, my mama oh. raised three boys. Now one right. of them is an idiot, but he's still a man. He still has <laughs> he, got he still there. has some, he he got some common sense. He's a dumbass, but I love him to death. I mean, but I so I don't get what that means because so many single mothers do it. Time because right, I feel like all the time. back then, like gender roles were a lot more of a thing. But you know what it is too. Since you do mention that, mm-hmm. I kind of start to see in in this whole relationship with Trey and his father. Um. But especially at the beginning, I'm seeing like, I see why this film was made. I get yeah. what this was supposed to be because it's 1984 in the film. Right. But when it's, re- when it's released, it's 1991. The crack epidemic is raging. We're about yeah. to have the Rodney King riots. There are right. a lot of mm-hmm. mass incarceration. George Clinton, uh, I said George Clinton. Bill Clinton has just signed this law about this, this fucking um, you know, mass incarceration law. So black men are going to jail in droves That's for right. life. For life. Literally. And so and so you have all these young black men like Trey, like Doughboy, like Ricky right. mm-hmm. out here without father figures. And so you start to see all these films that pop up where there are black men who are father, like House Party, like yeah. this film. You see, you see these black men that have father figures in their life. And I was like, I get why this film was made. I see, I see why it's so important to have Lawrence Fishburne, who we will always either see as Ike. Turner or <laughs> or as or as Furious Styles. Like true. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, I get in 1991 the necessity for black men 
to 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 have a role model like Lawrence Fishburne or to see that relationship between a father and the son because you have so many of like these forces around them sending their fathers to jail or murdered or being murdered it's it's absolutely terrifying It's, it's it's incredibly terrifying and I liked also too what they did with the black cop in the town well we'll so with the black cop, so when he's, you know, with his dad, oh, someone breaks into the house, yes. and his dad, you know, attempts to shoot whoever comes to the house, obviously yeah. misses, essentially just scares the guy and runs but out. But he puts the biggest fucking bullet holes in that <laughs> door. door. I said, what kind of gun is that? Literally. Literally. I was like, what the, you know what, let me not question that. I don't know nothing about guns. I don't want to know nothing about guns. Let me not I even question it. I said, is that a shotgun, nigga? He puts the biggest. <laughs> Said it looks like he pulled out a musket. A fucking musket! And just, <laughs> it was insane. Like a bayonet. It looks like, like a knife shot. <laughs> through the door. There you But the black cop, yeah. Yes, so they call the cops because there's a break in. The cops show up. An hour later, one of them niggas is of course they do. cake. Literally eating do. a donut. And literally. the black cop. Oof, I hate it. Has him. so much right. internalized racism so much. to the point that he became a cop just to continue to incarcerate black people. Yep, yep. Fucking coon. Yeah, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad that the movie showed that because I think that's also yeah. something that's happening at this time. Yep. You have people oh, absolutely. trying to absolutely. distance themselves and using anti blackness to do it. Yep. Like I'm gonna, yep. you know, you. This is like around. You have your Clarence Thomases, and your. Those are the types of people you have as examples this, showing you that. Is this the same? The same time as Bill Cosby pull up your pants. Uh, oh yeah, it's speech. very that era. It's very. It's um, it's, 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 it's very respect. It's it's respectability politics. Respectability sure. politics like mm-hmm. galore in the nineties, yeah. and then thing is, this is also the time where you have like your first black mayor of Atlanta. Right. You have oh. your first, you have black mayors, black like cops who are uh, commissioners and shit like that for the first time. And this is what they're giving. Yeah. This is exactly what they're giving. And so it's very telling to the problem that's being created by, which is in society. your, which is literally in your department. The problem yeah. is where you work. The exactly. problem is who you work for. Instead and instead at the problem that's causing all of these cycles of violence, abuse, etc. You and blame these kids for them. Yeah, you're just gonna further incarcerate these people rather than actually trying to find a solution. And I like how the dad and the officer are such juxtapositions from each other. Absolutely. And it's I think so- that's where my thirst started because I was like, Oh, oh my god! Oh god! Oh god! I know it's bad. Not again. Know, it's bad. Anyway, so the cop happens. We don't like the cop. But of and course, it also. Day, you know mm-hmm. what kills me though is like, why would this man like? What is this crackhead? And I'm assuming he's a crackhead because he probably was. What is he breaking in to steal? This house is so low budget, right? Like, <laughs> what the so fuck? Is <laughs> Did you what see? What is he stealing? What is he breaking in to steal? I didn't. I didn't understand it. What are you gaining from stealing? What the fuck? I don't know what that co- what that guy would have stolen, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, doesn't make sense. I was it don't make thinking no that. I was like, this house really? You this like of all of all the houses on this block, this is the one you want to steal from? Right. <laughs> Ain't shit to take. Oh my god. So then the next day, Trey, Ricky, Doughboy, and Chris, they all you know they're hanging out, doing as kids do. One kid's like, you want to see a dead body? And I was of like, course. Okay, dead body. Of course. It's they so, go it's so and see this me. dead body. So while they're mm-hmm. literally looking at a dead body, 
there's another group of I guess teenagers they're clearly yeah. older than them but like they're not grown human beings yeah and they kind of come over to intimidate them they steal Ricky's like football well they don't even back steal it he's like they don't even steal it he's like hey little man let me let me borrow the ball and then Doughboy and I love young Doughboy young Doughboy mm-hmm. might be my favorite he might be my favorite so character cute. in this whole That's film a good big brother he just he's a good big brother he's so funny and carefree he just wants to be a hood rat and yeah. like do hood rat shit with his friends. His friends. <laughs> he just wants to do hood rat shit with his friends. And his mama, but oh, before we, yeah, but no, before we get to that, there's that whole scene where his mama is like yelling at him. Yeah, I said and the verbal abuse like, of the children. Oh is, my is god, sad. she was like, "You ain't shit. Yeah. You just like your daddy. You ain't never gonna be right. shit." She calls him a fat fuck. You know, she says some things about him. But the rhetoric, the rhetoric that's like going, it feels very canon, like in black communities, you know, like for some, for some, um, for some black communities that have like single mom, single parent households with different daddies, like it be like that, y'all. Yeah, they project (laughs) onto the kids fully. And it's like, the child is innocent. So much. And the child is innocent, but she never treated him innocently. But that also stems from the fact that he's an older, he's an older brother. So it's like she, she gets like, what do you call parentified, you know? So she's Mm -hmm. almost viewing this like young boy, dough boy. As a full grown adult. As a full grown adult in place of the, in in place of the fucking father who isn't there. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it sucks. And it sucks because he's, he's no, he's not that much older than Ricky. He don't know shit. No, he doesn't. And of course he's going to be stupid. He's And it's like, it's, it's so crazy to me because it's like, it's almost, guys, shocker here. It's almost as if a black person writing about black lives experiences draws <laughs> in a black audience, but then also audiences of all sorts. Because I once had a director who told me that the only thing universal is specificity. You know what I mean? And yeah, I get it so yeah. much because it's like you talking about your thing is like, oh shit, like this little microcosm of like a, a community can go through shit too. Yeah. And, and, and and I can relate to it on some sort of empathetic level. And I think that's why this had this film, not only because it's, I think it's brilliant, but I think that part of it had such a, 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 so much to do with the fact that this film was so critically acclaimed. Yeah, absolutely. I did love it, even though it was very hard to watch. Of course, it, it, right? it's difficult. There's no, there's very little comedy in this film, I will be honest, yes. but it's, it's, it's so necessary. Yeah, and like I'm, I mean, imagine like watching this when it comes out. You like live in Crenshaw, and you're in the thick of it too in Crenshaw, right? Ooh, you, know, you go to the movies to escape, but you go and, and, and it's just and like, oh, you're like, oh shit, you're like, do I know that nigga? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay, so I'm sorry. Getting back to where were we? So yeah, so there, you know, the kids take you know willingly the football. The kids are trying yes. to get it back, so Doughboy tries to, you know, confront one of the older kids, gets his ass Which beat, fully gets his ass beat. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Terrible so idea. the kids start just, like, walking away. Luckily, one of the older boys in the, you know, friend group that took yeah. the ball recognizes yeah. how disappointed he is and actually gives him the ball back. Because was Ricky like, was so sad. He was. He was so sad. He was so and, sad. And then there was, like, and Chris... kind enough and realizing that these are children. Like, these are babies. Yeah. Chris was like, I'll give him a ball. I'll give him a ball. And then Doughboy's like, he ain't gonna want that. He got that ball from his daddy. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah. He got that like, part about his dad. <laughs> that was so sad to me. He really... That was his ball, man. <laughs> <I know>. Like... <laughs> 
it was really sad. I was really sad yeah, about it. But I'm glad that he got it. That he got it back. That that older kid was like, here, like, give him the ball back, man. Which yeah. fucking sucks that people do that to kids. I know. They're literally, they're so innocent. They just want yeah. to like, throw around a football and look yeah. at their body. <laughs> so, then, <laughs> so then the next scene we have Furious. Stop. I had to, I had to take a pause. Um, Furious. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I don't support it. I don't support it. Um, yeah. And he goes to Shimitre. I'm already lightheaded. And tells him about his experience in the army. And Ooh, how a ugh. black man ain't got no place, no in, place the army. in the army. But I love it. Facts on facts on facts. Uh-huh. What's that? And then tea? When they, huh? I said, that's tea. <laughs> tea. Literally tea. And then when they return home, they see Doughboy and Chris being arrested for shoplifting. <sighs> From the fucking Babies. corner store. From the fucking From the corner, corner store. store. And they like put the these kids in handcuffs. go to juvie for petty theft at such a young age? Like, put you really feel big and bad putting little babies in the back of the police car? And they're, and these are the kinds of kids who are so young that the cop has to ride in the back with them? Like, have you ever seen that before? That's no. so fucked up. Okay, because I've seen that many times in my neighborhood. Like, when they oh arrest God. the kid, when they arrest them and they're super young like that, like, the cop has to ride in the back seat with them. Like, I think that's a rule or something. But I've seen it happen a lot. So I was like, okay, I, I get this. But I was, I'm was i also like, the fuck are you arresting some kids for? For, children. for stealing, like, what? A dollar's worth of, of, of candy? And how, how many... Arrest them? How, how much taxpayer dollars are you fucking wasting putting these kids in handcuffs and booking them down at the station? It's absolutely for, disgusting. For, for, like, 25 cents? Come yeah. the fuck on, man. Like they're at most maybe 10 years old. Like they're they, they, so they are babies. babies. Their their fucking wrists probably don't even fit in the fucking handcuffs. They like, they just, that's probably why the cop needs to ride in the back seat. Maybe doughboys, but not Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm sorry. But it's it's so shitty, but it's crazy that that's that's what they'll do. That's what they'll do. Absolutely horrifying. So, so yes, yeah, that's the end of act one. <laughs> and and then we get to act two. Yes. Yes, we get to act two. We do a little time jump, which I absolutely love because I'm very impatient, but I love a time jump. We are now teenagers. I think we're like seniors in high school. Yeah, they're like junior, 17. Seniors. Junior, seniors. They're about 17. Yeah. yeah. Ricky's got a baby. Yep. Which is annoying, Ooh. but Ricky's got a baby. <laughs> and baby. his mama said, don't go have a normal babies because I'm not trying to have to a bunch of these running kids. around because she knows it's going to be her. And it's, oh, very, I mean, Ricky's already very much giving. Oh, I don't do, God. I don't do much. I don't do much here in regard to this baby. He does not but baby, I I said I do have it in my notes. I said <laughs> looks like a snack in his mesh champion shirt, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a crop top too. It's good. Yeah. It's very oh! good. And at this point, at this point, everybody, we should say that Ricky, um, adult Ricky, is now p- played by Morris. That Chestnut. is Morris Chestnut. Yes. That is. This is he this is, is one of his best looks. He looks amazing. Oh god. Fuck, he looks good. 
But yes, yeah, so Doughboy is now it's like a it's like a get out of jail party for Doughboy or something. Yeah, right? Doughboy's back. He's out of jail. I so what I couldn't tell. I don't think this is. I think he's been in jail a few times. No, right? no, no. He's, he's in, no. This is in and out. He's in and out. He's in right. and out of jail. So this is so this back is again. Same yeah, we're celebrating he's a that crip he's now. back. He's a crip now too. He's a yeah. He's crip, <laughs> he's out here. The crip in his deep. He, you see him like playing spades and drinking four. Oh, I fucking miss drinking forty ounces of beer in one sitting. Let me just say that. I, that I cannot support that narrative, but I'm very happy for you. Um, I had an uncle who exclusively used to drink forties. Like it's uh, he drink, I, it uh, the you drink you drinking forties old English. You drink some OE. <laughs> I was a hurricane girl myself. Hurricanes were so fascinating to me because it was just like beer mixed with like unidentified other liquor. Oh my god, that sounds awful! Yeah, it was like beer and poison. Oh, quite literally. For the low, low price of four dollars. So (laughs) you see, yeah, Doughboy's playing forties. He's drinking. Dookie's there. His oral fixation. Like, isn't he like such a quintessential LA nigga? Like when you think of like Doughboy in this. Very recently, I loved me some Ice Cube. Really did. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Really did. <laughs> Wait, but he's giving recently? such. Oh, I you don't remember that two. You don't remember that approximately seven days before the election, Ice Cube decided to open his mouth to support oh Donald God. Trump when all he had to do no. was sit there and shut up. I knew about Lil Wayne. I didn't know about Ice. Lil Cube. Wayne too. No. Date. First of all, what difference do you think you're about to make the week of the election? You should have just know. sat there and shut up. Yeah, you should have yeah. just sat, sat there and ate your food. You but this is pre all of that, you know. This is this is Ice Cube in his prime, giving like yeah. where I said like LA nigga. It's great. Quint- you know it's, he's like the quintessential LA nigga. He's wearing yes. those dickies. He got some white socks on. Got a little Jerry got curl going on. Je- right. I mean, such he's giving <laughs> such LA nigga to me. He's talking about the Fox Hills Mall. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> He reminds me of Vince Staples, except a lot <laughs> more. Staples, yeah. I truly love Vince Staples. A lot more tactful. <laughs> Vince say anything. I love it. Uh, but yeah, you see, everyone is an adult. Cuba getting juniors here as adult Trey, which is interesting casting. Very it's, interesting, because he looks old as fuck. Well, right. He's only nine years is, younger than Angela Bassett. Which is crazy to me! I know. But- <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying that little boy looks. I know this happens in movies a lot, but it actually really annoys me when the little kid looks nothing like nothing like Dawn. her. The most nothing egregious like offense of it is in the wood, where I that seen the wood in so many. I years. love. Oh, I lo- it's actually one of my favorite movies. But the little I'm girl, I forget her name. The little girl is like the woman who plays Lim on like the Soul Food TV show. I can't remember her name. She's in a lot of stuff. Melissa something, maybe? But then her oh, grown-up her is Sanaa Lathan. And I'm like, what? what? You said, wait, wait, what? Wait, actually? That just looks nothing like. That just... Y'all couldn't pick name it is. But yeah, Cuba Ooh. Gooding Jr. is here. And you can tell, you know, Ricky's a sports boy. He's a football star. Mm-hmm. He, he you know, football star. That was perfect casting. He's always put yeah. football because we just saw him be a football star in The Best Man. That's why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was perfect casting. You it is in the bed. Hold on. And I guess he's like, <laughs> this is Stop. such a horny Continue, continue. No, he's just like built like it. He's like this, this nice broad shoulder. 
Oh, I, I, yeah. I bet. I, oh, I'm not going to say none, but. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you leave, no, you leave his shoulders out of it. But yeah, we see the women. You see that like Nia Long and Cuba Gooding Jr. Are together, but he hasn't talked to her in a minute. And yeah. he's blaming her for being mad at him, even though he hasn't talked to her in a minute. Like, right, it's now. very weird. Regina King and Yo-Yo are here. Oh playing, my like, God. some of the girls from the neighborhood. It's I was so happy. Don't you it. love it? They got they, they, Regina King is such a stunning actress in everything the, that she is. And the way the thing is, is all of these characters are so vastly different. But the, the fact that I can still hear her playing like fucking little Riley, like I can hear it in her <laughs> voice from the Boondog. Yeah. Anytime, especially when she's talking in that LA nigga like uh, type like speech or whatever, I can hear yes. Riley in it. But she, uh, what Ice Cube refers to them as the hoochies, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> Regina King, Not the Regina hoochie. King. Regina King can have anything she wants in this life. Anything she wants in this life. She kind of is already doing it. And quite literally, she is. Um, Yeah. Her new movie comes out on Amazon Prime in a couple weeks. (laughs) Oh, really? It does. It comes on Amazon Prime, I think, in uh, either, if not, January, February. But I think in January, the film that she's directing. Her directorial debut, everybody. fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. She's wonderful. But yeah, we see, I, I just want to touch on what you said, Mariah, about them being, um, like, everyone being so different. I, this is what I, this is what happens when you have Black people making Black content, is they, like, yeah, not get the all the different facets of us, and they, yeah, and I love that. All of these women are different from each other. All of them. Vastly, vastly And all of these different. men are different from each other. I, ju- I, I, I really I love that. I absolutely love, like... I completely agree because so often black people, especially when it's a movie created by white people about black experiences, it's just one trope. Maybe and they have no idea the nuances of like slang, of of like African, of AAV culture. Like they have no, no idea, idea the no nuances idea. when you go from neighborhood to neighborhood, when you right. go from city, when you go from city to city. But the way that, the state. way that state to state, it don't even matter. But the thing is, is that even me, who grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm. m- thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. I know what a mark is. I know. Right. I know what that. I know. I know what all this shit means because yeah, there, right. there's that. There's that's the universal part of it. But it's still so specific to mm-hmm. his neighborhood, and that is what these white producers and these white directors will never understand. They will never right. understand. They will never be able to execute it well. They will never they be know. able to execute it well. Never. No, and they've never had to experience it. They've never and they don't even care. And they, they don't, don't even care. care. That's, That's what it thing. is too. It's the lack of it's the lack of care and attention. It's, it's, it's like it's, why it's, make it detailed? They'll all, yeah. they'll this all is, like it. This is yeah. Down to the costuming, down to the fact that he's wearing one earring in this ear is specific. Mm, It's a choice. It's a choice. And you see that in this film. The choices that John Singleton is making in this film, and this is one of the rare cases where I'm like, I don't care about him being like a czar where he's writer, director, producer, because this is his story. Yeah. This is his life. He completely owns the story, right? And I respect it. I'm sorry, go ahead. I just went No, off. no, that was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> I just went off. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And that's why, but that's why this film is so great. And that's why it sets it apart from a lot of other movies. And that's why it gets to be in like the National Film Registry because it's yep. such a, a real look into yep. an actual and culture. Like it, 
amazing. And you know what's funny? And you know what's funny? If I didn't, if I didn't make it clear when I mentioned that it, it was in the National Film Registry, so I don't know how often they choose films to be in the registry. It might be every year. It might be every couple of years. But mm-hmm. there are films from it's like every year. There, oh, it is okay. Mm-hmm. So a- every year there's like a class of films that goes into it. And let me be clear that some of these films are from like the 1910s. Some of these films are from like the 1920s, like hundreds, decades ago. And this film, 10 years, 10 years into its being released, they were like, yeah, this has to go in there. So that's a big fucking deal. Yeah. That's a huge fucking deal. They wait a couple years. They wait a couple years before adding movies. So it makes sense that it took 10 years. I know Shrek was added this year and Shrek came out in like And Shrek came out in like 2000, 2001. But but just think about the gravity of that, though. A black film Mm -hmm. made by a black director who... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Camille. We just cut you off. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, this is fabulous. (laughs) It's fabulous. So we leave the barbecue. Um, Trey saves a baby from the street really quick and brings her back to her crackhead mom. Who's all strung out. All strung out. Ask it. The baby. He's got the baby in his hands. And she's like, you got some blow. And then she's like, I'll suck your dick with the baby in her hand. Right. And it's just showing you, like, this is what crack was doing to people. Uh, fucking crazy. What did they call them? Strawberries? Like, you see them, and the next time you see them, they're, like, all strung out. Like, I think Ugh. there was a name for it that was very specific to them. Like, because when it hit that community, when it hit it's communities, so... like, it hit baby hard. And you see this. And I think she's a mild case of it, because she still looks like she oh, got yeah. all her teeth. I was yeah, Trey still trusts her to take care of her, baby. She can still get it done. Right. Yeah. Shit. But it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, Trey goes home. He gets a haircut from his dad. His dad's, you know, still dropping, dropping more knowledge. It's like towing the line of Hotepery, but I feel like we never get all the way there. We don't exactly. get all the way there. We, we, we get a, we get a little close. We get a little bit. Cross the line. So we get a little okay, close. You can stay. Yeah, you can it's giving, stay. it's giving like diet negus. It's giving. Yeah, 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 yeah. N e g u s. I mean, he also never seemed to be like. Oh, we are not woke enough. Like he was like, no. no it, this right. is just coming from a place of like, this is the time. Like this is how you know we what's funny? we're talking in you know, the time. But you know what's funny? There was that moment before he goes into the house to bring his dad this like to go plate. Of course, Miss mm-hmm. uh, when he, that the these motherfuckers roll up on him and pull a gun out on him. Yeah, a shotgun. Just oh, yeah, for fun. I did forget about just that. literally for shits and giggles. Just just for for fucking laughs. Just to shake him up. He's standing there and he can't do shit because this nigga got a shotgun pulled out to him on the street. Yeah. Literally. What are you going to do? I said, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it'll never, it'll, <laughs> oh my God, it'll never end. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so, it's so, it's so funny. But yeah, I do love, like you said, I love the relationship that Trey and Furious have. I and do. you can see, but like I mentioned earlier, like that's very intentional. Like he mm-hmm. did that with the, mm-hmm. like the utmost care to have him be able to go to his dad and have him like his dad not only be like this person who like protects him, but also is like turning him into an actual man and teaching right. him these right. values and yeah. saying, well, you go and do that with what I gave you to see mm-hmm. if it works, which is rare. Yeah, I love the relationship that the two of them have. I love that he cuts his hair and mm-hmm. he like use that time to talk yeah this is when (laughs) right so it goes from it quickly goes from his father warning him against getting someone pregnant and then being like wait are you a fucking virgin 
Not as exact. I'm, I'm not as exact words. I'm riffing. But, okay, but okay, yeah. but close. Okay, but close. Right. He's like, wait a minute. I think he. Even, I think he actually just says like, "Have you gotten pussy yet?" And <laughs> I think that's literally what he said. <laughs> that's and Cubitting yeah. uh, <laughs> Junior tells a story that is very obviously a lie. A lie. Yes. Such a lie. Very Such obviously, a lie. he's giving J Cole and wet dreams. He's. Oh my god. <laughs> he's yeah. What tips? Wait, what obviously a lie, but what really icing on the line cake for me was when he said 20 minutes into it grandma comes home your yeah. first time the, 20 minutes you're not okay. you're not maybe you that's a goddamn lie what tipped me off was that it was a lie what tipped me off that it was a lie was when he said that the girls pulled up on him right and his vw <laughs> and his vw bug to get out the car yeah. And, and and you telling me a group of women rolled by and rolled up on y'all niggas and she rolled up on you and your VW bug and said, is this your, is this your car? Can it's I drive it? You a fucking lie, nigga. You're in California. You don't have no, no hydraulics. The days of candy pain this man has had. The days this nigga that just this man has had. Lying out his ass. Yeah. Just fucking lying about being a virgin. So then after well also and then his dad's like well did you at least use a condom and then i don't understand why wouldn't you just lie because if you're lying anyway just this whole story is a lie lie. i didn't understand that he's like he's like why you sweating me what you mean nigga your dick gonna fall off (laughs) what (laughs) what we're in the middle of the aids epidemic and they talk about that too the aids epidemic they do they're exactly just crazy Lyndon, so then he I picks have to up. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Lyndon, I have to know your thoughts about them talking about getting AIDS through oral sex. That whole scene where they were talking <laughs> about it at the fucking cards table. Like, you Listen. can't catch AIDS from oral. I said, Listen. oh, she's going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> I did. I did. The entire time, I like, one of my notes is sex ed is important with, like, four exclamation points. <laughs> yes. Um, it was, I just, listen, at the time, most people didn't really know, you know, what was tea, AIDS was new, just like, you know, Ms. Rona's new for us, you know. But was AIDS that new? Because it I feel like AIDS so started in the early 80s. It and by just really taboo. Like, the idea that AIDS oh, very. was oh, very. for gay people, like, people yeah. didn't really understand that, like, AIDS, just like well, the bullet, don't gotta I But by the 90s, I don't know. So, you in know, the I 80s, do feel, I would believe that. I do feel like that's the kind of the one thing that these um and it, i mean and these characters are intentionally ill-informed about aids you know i don't oh, think oh, it's clearly, coming from a place of like Clinton not knowing but i think they do a good job of talking about it in regard to heterosexual sex like i yes. think we're at a point where we're like oh wait a minute everybody can catch everybody it. can anybody can this is not just single person right. can catch it in the so 70s and the 80s because yeah. i was like somebody give these people a fucking sex ed textbook a real sex ed talk because that was another thing that irked me i was like why are you lying to your dad because i'm sure your dad of anything would be happy to know that you're a virgin versus like you lying about it right i didn't get for that. no reason I didn't like get i feel that. like his dad would have like been like okay that's fine like I don't think his dad would have judged him, but that might also be me projecting because I'm now in love with Furious. But that's the oh my god, <laughs> that's the, the Furious that you know and love. He wouldn't judge him. He wouldn't exactly. judge. Exactly. Not my Furious. <laughs> yes. Um, that, okay. That so also then, is an adopted name. I don't believe that's his real given name. That is ridiculous. That is a '70s Black Panther. He yeah. Did, he he said, "I'm giving it. up my fl- my slave name." He said, oh, "I'm Furious." Absolutely. Style. Absolutely. That is not his yep. name. That is not his. That's name. not his fucking name. That's not his fucking name. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> he pulled a mad man when he came he back from the war. You, period. Didn't he? Period. He just stole somebody else's identity. <laughs> he, just <stole> <laughs> he was watching a black exploitation film. That, very said, big at the time. What? He said, you know who I'm oh. going to be? <laughs> Shaft. One. I'm Shaft <laughs> now, guys. Call me Shaft. I'll be furious. <laughs> and I will. Furious I will. I will. So uh, furious. Oh, so he picks up Ricky from school. And mm-hmm. he's like, Ricky, like, I've never lied before. I lied to my dad. Ricky's like, where is this all coming so from? I know. I also think it's very silly that he says one kind of personal sounding thing. And yeah. as a man, Ricky's like, what, what, where's all this coming from? Yeah. <laughs> he said, what's going on? What are, what, are, what are we talking about, nigga? Exactly. This isn't is football. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't football. So then they, sorry, my phone with my notes died. Um, So after, just help me out. So they. (laughs) Okay, no, oh, okay, no, I got you. Okay. Yes. So then after, so then after they like. Oh, is it SAT? This is SAT. It's not not SAT time yet. But this is like, after they do this, then um, he goes over to Brenda's house. And so now he's fighting oh, with okay. Brenda. You got me. I'm good. I'm good. So okay. he goes over to Brenda's house and they're finally confronting each other because they were being super weird at the barbecue, mm-hmm. considering they're mm-hmm. together. And we find out that he's not talking to her right now because she won't put out. Oh, my God. Which y'all. is ridiculous. He called. What did he say? His his wording was, you need to get with the program. Get with what? the program. She was like, you know I'm Catholic. He said, you guys are supposed to be the biggest. The biggest? Hinges. And you know what? He, he, did, he did not. He did not tell a lie. Okay, he did I'm not tell a lie. I mean, it is. He was like, we're going to get married. We might as well do it now. And then she was like, where's that ring? Crickets. Right. Oh, she's talking and, and he, pr- promising and she, yourself marriage just to get And to then he had the nerve to say, Well, I ain't ready for all that. And she said, Oh, but you ready to act like we marry? Exactly. I said, You better stand your motherfucking exactly. ground. Nia Long. A, an adorable young Nia Long who looks so, so freaking cute. Isn't it, can we just talk about for a second what it's like, you know, having grown up with these canon black actors like Nia Long. Yeah. Like you know Tisha Martin or mm-hmm. and then to see them when they're super young and just starting yeah, out adorable it's like it's like seeing pictures of your fucking parents and your aunts and uncles and you're like wow you were young once too yes it's really? it's very that it's very it's that. it's it's such perspective i love that um okay so then this fighting. This is now it's the recruiter. Now it's the recruiter. Right? Well, yeah, well, then they make up. They like do all right, this fighting, and then they end up like making out. Yeah. For a long time Fucking, on the porch. Uh, Regi- uh. Oh, this is my favorite part of the movie, so I do need to acknowledge it. Regina King taking a sip of Doughboy's Forty, and then he says, "You yeah. need to take your ass to the store." <laughs> Because she drank it all. She yes. drank the last of the forty, she and then drank- gave him back the Andy bottle. The he said, "Hell no." He said, "Hell no." You better go and give me another one. I love. It. <laughs> I wonder what brand of 40 he's drinking. It's probably an OE. Like, I'm just going to go with that because that feels like very nigger type of 40. Like, 40 ounce. That's a nigger 40 ounce. Okay, like that Seagram's gin. That Seagram's gin. I don't know niggas to drink no other brand of gin than Seagram's. Oh, my mom drinks some Seagram's gin for sure. For sure. And it's nasty as fuck. But (laughs) But anyway. Um, Yeah, so then we get to the part where there's the... um, the recruiter from USC 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, his mom calls first. Angela Bassett calls oh, to talk is about. Is that before this? Mm-hmm. She calls. And first okay. of all, her life looks amazing. Much better. Much, her, I don't know why he looks gorgeous. Her. Right. I don't understand why. Because he's so frustrated about where he is. So I don't really understand why he's so hesitant to leave. I understand yeah. you're being like uprooted. It's a, like your junior, senior year. So I get that. But I'm like, True. you do have an option. Um, but do. she calls. And then you see Furious. And what is Angela Bassett? I don't remember her name. Angela Bassett. Me either. They don't really say it. They're just like your mom. Um, And they argue because she really wants him to come back and live with her. Because she always said when she dropped him off initially, she was like, I'll come back for you. She's like, I have to get my life together. She said, when I finish school, I get a better job. Like, I'm going to make a better life for She was just doing, yeah, she was doing what she needed to do, what she thought was going to be best for her son. And I respect the hell out of it. I respect the hell out of it. So then you see it just ends with them arguing. And then that is when the scout from USC shows up and you see their mother kind of like saying, look, I need you guys, I need Doughboy and your friends to clear out. Ricky's got company coming. Which actually, yes, she does treat them differently. That really wasn't one of those moments I thought like the scout's coming. We need to... (laughs) Yeah, we need like, to clear y'all out. Y'all niggas can't be in here playing the fucking PlayStation <laughs> on my good couches. niggas around, just lounging around all day. Playing the PlayStation on them couches with that plastic. <laughs> the couches Ooh, with the plastic. That took yeah. me back, baby. She said, and he was like, don't sit on the good part, nigga, sit on the plastic. And it's like, what are you, what are you preserving? <laughs> What are you preserving this for? When does the plastic I, I come off? I never know. Because exactly. the couch, all the we're going to do is sit off. on this couch. My granny still has plastic on her couches. Yes. And I'm like, I'm like, granny, no one even comes over. Like, you, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand what the plastic is meant to serve. Have you ever had one of those aunts or uncles or grandmas who put tape over their lights so that you couldn't touch them? What? <gasps> oh my gosh. Yes. I my, my I feel like my, my great aunt did that. She's like, you cannot, the only person who ever was allowed to touch her lights was her son who paid her bills. He well, was the go. only he was the only motherfucker in that house who ever had the audacity to take that tape off them lights and touch it. I was so it terrified was like to touch those switch, lights. Right? Yes, on the light switch. So you I could not touch it. Yeah, I said, this is that. some I said, oh God, these oh, niggas yeah. some... No, I said, oh, like, y'all are traumatized. I figured out how to turn on the lights without messing up the tape. Like that's it was bad. <laughs> I just learned how I just learned how to navigate in the dark. Remember what that guy said <laughs> Feel from around. the dark night? He said, nope. he said, he said, you have adapted to the darkness. I was born Stop. in it. No, I said, that's me. I said, that's me, bitch. I know how to cook in the dark. I know how to make what I'm doing. I'm not turning on these motherfucking lights. I can pee in the dark. I, can, I don't need no lights. I'm not touching the lights. I'm not touching them. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, we are traumatized, guys. We are. We really are. Can we talk about, though, how how funny it is, but also how telling it is. You see this. First of all, this recruiter is a dumbass. You don't ever roll up. You don't ever roll up in this neighborhood. No lights on your car. All ominous and shit. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get that? it. I get it. You looking for the house number. But, nigga, turn your lights on so people can see that you are not a threat. Yeah. Yeah. When you say, t- usually they don't do house calls. Don't they usually go to like a restaurant or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like, no, sometimes no. they do house calls. House calls yeah, sometimes they come to the house. And honestly, I think it's actually dangerous to go out and do something because it can easily look like you're, you're accepting some to, type of yeah. anything. Like you, you can't let them something. buy you dinner. You can't let right. them 
do Nothing shit. Really? Yeah. These, now you've these accepted a brown college brown. athletes are fucking slaves. Like I, I hate up. to put it that way. Not no, only do they not get money, not only do they not get money from the sales of all the merchandise with their fucking names on it. Right. Literally. But they can't even accept anything. They can't accept money. They can't accept dinners. They can't accept any fucking thing. And like, yeah, they get a full ride, but they're not getting any other like well, now some of them monetary do benefits from being yeah. an athlete. Oops, sorry, something just fell. And it sucks because these kids are literally bringing in millions of dollars for these years. Easily. And they're not yeah. Easily. Most of Easily. The that they're making for them. Easily. Millions it's of dollars. It's but it's, you know what's so funny to me is like the recruiters in the living room. Mm-hmm. Doughboy's on the, Doughboy and his like crew are on the, on the front porch drinking 40s. Trey is trying to show this man his like reel and the ghetto bird is just flying over the neighborhood <laughs> the looking for somebody. You can, you <laughs> can hear the fucking, flying. you yeah. can hear the police helicopter like drowning the out the, light the entire time. Yeah. I said, that is, that is so telling. He did that shit it on is. purpose. That was cool. That was it, brilliant. It was brilliant. It was like, that is, that's <laughs> yeah. how you fucking direct the scene. That's how you set the scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you establish where yeah. you are. It was it, this film. Really, there's so many things about it that I really just in terms of but like the that details. That moment the for me, that, <laughs> that moment for me was sealed. It. I said, because <laughs> <laughs> he, he did not tell a lie. He did not tell a lie with that one <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so crazy though how how Doughboy and Ricky just live completely different lives. They live completely like, different lives under the same roof. See, that's the, the part room. that really throws me and it's like, I don't know. Cause just I just know my mom, like she's not giving two different like two kids a different experience. Absolutely. She can't not. even help she can't even help to see one kid go without on like a field trip or something, you know? Yeah. Um mm-hmm. so it's I I mean and again, another piece of like nuance and detail that is really real for some people. So I'm glad that it's in there. Because they do oh, have absolutely. different daddies. You know, that's the thing I think is different, is they have because I have cousins who like all have different dads. Like me and my mm-hmm. brothers all had the, me and my brothers all had the same dad, except for our youngest brother. My dad adopted him. Mm-hmm. Like cause his dad just like went away, whatever. I don't care about talking about that. Cause his dad ain't shit. But mm-hmm. um, so we mm-hmm. all have the same dad. So we were all raised by just two people and, or one and a half. Cause right. he was, he was in jail a lot. But, um, but, but the thing is, is like my mom was always very much about like, she always, used to treat my little brothers like they were twins so like they had the same clothes they had they did they did the same activities they did the same Mm -hmm. everything but my cousins who had different daddies and some of them were more active than others Mm -hmm. and their mom was a little bit more bitter about some of them than others you Mm -hmm. see that treatment being reflected on the children you do babies and they ain't got shit to do with it they ain't got shit to do with it but you but i'm gonna say I get what you're saying, Camille, about like, there's no way that like, how do you, how do these kids raised in the exact same house have a different experience? But I also see where she's coming from because clearly she has resentment toward Doughboy's dad. Like oh, yes. whoever this, whoever this man is, I'm assuming, I just assume that Ricky's father died. Like my assumption is that Ricky's father like passed away. Right. It seemed like maybe that was like, right. She, that was the, the her one. Man. Right. Yeah. But Doughboy's dad, I can tell like, she don't like that nigga. He ain't shit. He ain't never been shit. Mm-hmm. And and now she's like, and he probably and Doughboy probably looks just like him, which doesn't help. Yeah. Right. Doesn't help. That'd be fucking with people's heads. It does. It does. And I and I blame her, but I also can't blame her because she was probably very young when she had him. 
and what do you know at 22? You know what I mean? <laughs> Not, I sure didn't know shit, so. Especially about being a fucking mother. About being you a just have to raising move. somebody. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's it's crazy. crazy. But yeah, the scout is there, and they he tells him that he needs a seven, at least a 700 on the SAT. Do you know okay, how angry that made me? Okay, I'm glad you brought it up because he has a 2.3 GPA. <laughs> He's a 3.2. He's a 3.3. 3.2. No, he yeah, said a 2.3. A 2.3 GPA? And you're getting a full ride to USC? USC gave me $10. USC gave me $10. And he needs to get a 700 on the SAT now. Out of a possible 2,400. I think this is during the time out of 1600, so it makes it. Oh, okay. Sense. Never mind. Never mind. But if okay. it was yeah, it's out, out of 1400, I'm not 100% sure if it's out of 1600. But if this it is when it's out of 16, yeah. It was even still. Yes. Even still. Even still. Even still. You get a couple hundred for writing your name, you know? I'm so. Sure, oh, yeah, all you have to do is get 300 for getting your fucking name right. Literally. I had a 3.7 GPA and USC gave me, said, here's $3. Come up with the rest. Literally. Come up with the rest. But if we're on the subject, standardized test is racist. Standardized test is extremely racist. It's extremely racist. It's very fucked up. The only part, like the dad, like furious, furious. He talks about it. He does talk about it. Is math. That is the only part. Reading. And let me tell you, I still didn't do good on that. In so many different ways. And I did an SAT class and literally every person I know that's ever done an SAT class an ACT prep class, whatever, have been taught to write what you think the like moderators want to hear not write what you actually right. interpret the text as or anything so that inherently is racist because you know most of the moderators are what white people exactly very that so you need to i mean and there's just like all types of different audience. setbacks See, and it's funny I, and it's funny people are taking this in for sat classes i didn't I take classes. Afford SAT classes exactly most people yeah. can't most people yeah. cannot it's like, why are we not just letting people, like, why are we charging kids for the resources to do well on this Because you thing? do, you know what? I totally forgot. You do have to pay for that. Yes, you, you do. do. It's very, pay. it's expensive. It's I forgot expensive. about that. I had, and I had to take it twice. I had to take it twice. I had a fee waiver too, but I had to take the SAT because I was applying to, at the time, young Mariah was like, maybe you can get into Brown. So I was like, I'm going to take the SAT too. And they didn't give me a fee waiver for that. So my mama had to pay out of, t- out of pocket mm, for me to take yeah. the SAT only for me to get a score that was basically the same as my ACT score. And exactly. when I got on the ACT, I knew like statistically, they had told us like, if you come from this demographic, this That's is so probably, nice. this is, this is probably the score you're going to get. And I got a 23 out of fucking 30, what, two? I yeah. don't fucking I know. it's 36. 36 bitch even worse <laughs> and, and and the thing is is math and, um like uh reading and writing history that was my shit of course it was like that was my shit i was so good at it I, it didn't matter i could write a, a good essay in like 30 minutes and it'd be like five stars and See, i still and i still didn't do well and i still didn't yeah. do well because of it's just yeah. it's it's statistically you're not gonna do well on these tests based on where you come from Exactly. And that is why this is so racist. Yes, exactly. And on, and I mean, to us, we're like, you all you need is a 700. But Ricky truly acts like this is the first time he's hearing the words SAT when this man brings it up. Yeah. yeah I said, crazy. oh, shit. I said, you're you're in for some trouble, Ricky. <laughs> and I think he was scared by that. Because oh, my gosh. He talked yes. about, because he talked about, like, the, the, the recruiter was like, okay, so what do you want to major in? And he was like, right. what do you mean? And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> You don't just go to school to play football, football, like you do, but you don't. But for him, it was always football. 
Right. So when yeah. he saw that, so when he never saw any other path, but when that roadblock got in the way of like, you have to do this, and he, he's probably never been good at school. He's probably no. never been good at school. So that roadblock, I think it kind of like, he gave up on that. He I did. feel like he at that so moment. Nervous. You see them when they, well, when, because next you see them taking the test. And, and he shows up without a pencil. He's not giving, he's not exuding that test confidence that we want to see. During this the SAT, he doesn't have access to the resources that would give him that test confidence. Yeah. And can you imagine, like, we think public schooling is bad now. Lord. What was Lord. it like in the night? Like, I right. talk to my mama sometimes about it. Like, she could not even help us with some of our homework when I was right. in high school. I didn't get any help from her with my homework in high school. I had to help her fill out some shit. When we when when it came time to do like documents for college applications, cause she didn't know what the fuck was oh, going on. That's what did that shit all by myself. No, I said we I said now why the fuck why the fuck am I seventeen? No, I don't know what a W two is. I right. don't know what this nope. is. But the fact is that that you become that because think of how awful public schooling was, especially in low income neighborhoods like this, where the teachers are mm-hmm. calling your house and literally saying, "Is everything okay in the house? Do you have a job?" I would have whooped the that fuck? teacher's ass if she and said acting that shocked to me. when I say father and all that. Now, I would have mm. whooped her ass when she said that to me. So it's cra- so for him. I feel like it's like the end all. Like there's it's well, right. I, I mean, like at that this point, is this is another conversation happening at the time too. Like, why are we only are putting so much stock in athleticism for? Yeah. For yeah. black people, black men. I yeah. Honestly, yeah. it probably was very comforting to his mother and everyone else around him to hear that he wanted to do football and not some gang shit or whatever. So they what? said, you know what? It'll be football. Yeah. Because exactly. there's what? At the time you have OJ. You have. Oh, yes. Who, you have who, uh, people. Michael, Michael Jordan. This is Michael Jordan. This is prime Michael Jordan time. Michael Jordan has prime. Like, it's like, oh, we got a way out. This right. is the way out. And, and he sees that. But. And he, he, was not, he was not he was not ready to take that no. that fucking that, <laughs> like, do you so know how low the... a 2.3 GPA is? out of 4 so that's a little only, that's only a little bit more than half yeah. how the fuck are you passing? how <laughs> are you passing? you're like, like actively like a 2.8 for straight C's how are you right. passing? I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. But the standards were much lower back then. They were. But then can yeah. we talk about, so then the next thing, can we talk about the, the gentrification monologue? Yeah. So they, after they take the SAT, they go to Furious's office where he drops some knowledge about the SAT. Because the kind like, of the same conversation that we were just having. Right. Kind of just having, first of all, you're not walking into my office drinking milk out of the cart and asking me stupid questions. I was so annoyed. I said, I'm at work. Um, but yeah, then they take a walk and he starts talking to them about gentrification. There's a billboard, one of those horny ass billboards. It's like, like we'll offer for you cash house. for your fucking yep. home where you live yeah. and have lived your life and made your memories. We'll offer yep. you cold hard cash for it. And he's explaining to them that, you know, this That's is gentrification. Bad. These people want to come into our neighborhoods. And he's basically preaching like black capitalism. Like we need to preserve our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Everything here should be black owned. Yeah, because and and he's saying, you know, they're killing us. And I love this part. You have um, like an elder kind of speak up and be like, well, actually, no, it's us. Like this black on black crime, like we're killing each other. And And they kind of go back and forth. And Furious is like, 
no, they're trying to kill us. Why do you think there's a liquor store in every corner? There's crack and in the like, We don't break crack here. Exactly. When he said, where do you think we get the crack from? We don't own planes. I said, <laughs> we don't own boats. Right. Woo! It's not made here. I said, Woo! I said, baby, that's imported. And who do mm-hmm. you think put it there? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan's it's ass. Exactly. I, said, I love that they included knowledge. that. I love that yes. they included that um, like older generation mm-hmm. voice because right. I think it's happening right now too. There is a generational divide Absolutely. like in the black community about Absolutely. what we should be doing right now and why things about are the black way they are. Yep. Right. Yep. About, you know, the tactics that we're using and, I was you know, just my parents love Joe Biden, you know, <laughs> and I could, Oh, oh, I my grandma like voted I, for him in the primaries and we almost got into an argument. Oh my God. I spent so much time arguing with my parents during the primaries. And I was like, you know what, let me, I like you got, there's a way to have these conversations and be respectful of the fact that the, they're coming from a place of lived experiences Absolutely. and, 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 you yeah. know, things are changing. Things are changing. Yeah. And-, and my grandma and I were just talking about um, on Christmas, actually, um, we got into a whole conversation about the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. This is just how what, what happens when me and my grandma just start talking. Right. And she's just like, she's like, I was very, very skeptical of it at first. She's like, but the more research that I did into it and she's like, now I'm donating to the organizers mm-hmm. and now I'm doing all these things and she's like now I'm literally actively in like my church groups and in my book clubs like trying to get my friends on board because she's like they're skeptical of it because it's not the way we did things yeah yeah, yeah. and they yeah. they don't see it that way so and I it's think also it's very much were, we we do have more freedom now Absolutely. um you know we're obviously not free I mean we're still being shot in the street and all that yeah but all right like it's, elders and stuff had survival on their minds as well survive like we we can't necessarily be as militarized because they hang us fucking trees you know what i mean and they do it weekly and we see it so yeah yeah, i just love that that moment was included and -hmm. i think that we need to kind of be thinking about that a lot now too just listening to the people who've been here and right trying to have like good conversations um after this after this rousing speech on gentrification, the whole neighborhood is listening. The boys go to Crenshaw and you have like Doughboy. I just love Doughboy. You have him in I the love Doughboy so much. Talking yep. about, you know, they're having this like kind of religion debate and he's yeah. talking about, you know, quoting the things that he read while he was locked up. Regina and King God is there be being amazing as usual. Right. Yep. <laughs> right. It, he said, God can't, God can't be a bitch because, you know, war and shit, that ain't in a bitch's nature. Said, if God if God was a bitch, there wouldn't be no nuclear weapons and shit like that. And I said, now why is this nigga making sense? Why is he making sense? <laughs> I said a Regina broken King. clock is right twice a day now. <laughs> and Regina King is like, why whatever you talk to uh, talk about us, you gotta call us bitches. Another fabi- another conversation of the moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know we don't dive deep into it because of they say it's not females really for a us. lot in this movie. They say oh, they say females. They movie. say females, bitches, hoes. Like yeah. it's Poochie. just like hoochies, <laughs> like and everything but they name everything but the name they mama gave them. Right. I don't know Regina um, King's name in this movie. I sure don't. I don't think she has one. <laughs> she fully does not have a name. No. <laughs> uh, uh, but whatever. Um, we know who she is. Yes. And so then there is a. An altercation of sorts. It's giving like turf war, right? Um, and people. But it's crazy that these bloods 
But it's crazy, but it's crazy that the, because it's clear, like, these people roll up in all red, they're wearing Chicago right. Bulls hats, and you can tell that this is, like, crip territory, so everybody's wearing blue, and these right. niggas, in, mm-hmm. in stark, it's, it's so beautiful, because they're starkly, like, in red, standing the fuck out in the yeah. crowd. And so, and I'm like, clearly that was intentional for us to see that these are bloods. And he bumps into, like, he doesn't even bump into Ricky. He tries to knock his ass over. Yeah, really and does. I'm like, and I'm Not like, for what? But the thing is, is you rolled up on something that's clearly Crip territory. Mm-hmm. And you had to have done that shit on purpose. Yeah, well, Doughboy says it. Nigga can't fight, so we always try and find some excuse to shoot somebody. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And he just let the mo- he let out fifty motherfucking rounds for as a joke, as a joke, as a joke. just shooting into just the air, shooting, shooting into the fucking mm-hmm. air. I because I was watching this around like midnight, so the second that the shooting started, I even flinched. I was like, "Damn, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so I crazy. It's so crazy because it's like they do all this, and then everybody scatters. Scatters. scatters scatters yeah and and you're like and, and you start thinking okay that's the worst that happens but no <laughs> no on the way home the uh ricky and trey get caught, pulled over by the fucking cops who always make the same cops! so much worse i were they the same they were the same cops that's so annoying so they get pulled over yeah. and again it is the black cop with a gun to gun to trey's neck and he straight up says i took this job because of the power yep Straight up says yep. it. Yep. And, and we talked about that before, about how, like, some cops and some people join the military just because they want to kill people. Right. Um, I, right. They, I mean, they make the... Yeah. I love when they when they show, later on, you see Ricky seeing the commercial for yep. Um, yep. the army. They make that shit look like a video game. That is intentional. Literally. That's so intentional. There's so many it's times so where I've seen it and, uh, like, an army commercial come on and Dylan's like, I swore that was a Call of Duty commercial. They try to make it look fun. A lot too. Yeah, yeah. She ain't fun. And my, I had a, I had a teacher in high school, and I feel like I've talked about him before. He was probably like in the the navy or like the what is the other one, the marines or some shit like that. And so he had a poster in his classroom that says, and it was very catchy. It said, "The marines are looking for a few good men." And I'm like, that's such a catchy phrase. Only if it weren't absolutely like predatory. Right. In the school that you teach in, in the neighborhood mm-hmm. that you teach in, in the demographic that you teach, in the class, like the, the tax bracket of kids that you teach, you're advertising joining the fucking armed forces? We're right. all niggas up in here. We all niggas up in here. We in Inglewood, nigga. No, we not, we not doing that here. We not doing that right. here. Right, because nobody's uh, here fighting I, for us. Hell no. Nah. My mama always said, absolutely the fuck not. She always gave my brothers two rules. She said, don't you ever bring home a white woman and you may not join the, and you may not join the armed forces. Those are the only two rules they ever had. And they have never once brought home a white woman. And to this day, them niggas <laughs> have never decided I... to sign up. So I'm, dead ass. I'm dead ass. She said, don't you ever bring home a white woman and do not sign up for the army. And I feel like those two things have stuck. Those are the two that stuck with them. Yeah, but they get pulled over by the cops. Um, Trey's really upset, it's, very shaken, shaken up by it. it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You he's sitting the cops are sitting there making so all much. these assumptions about yeah. who these kids are and what their lives yeah. are like. Um yeah. and he's upset. Trey's like crying. He, and then nothing happens. To his neck. To his neck. He has a gun to his neck. 
And then the cop is like, I could shoot you right now and nothing would happen. And he's so right. Cops do shit like, and this, like it's, this is exactly the type of shit that cops do when they like pull you over. It's like all this weird intimidation yeah. stuff. And it's like, what? Like, why am I even being, you know, they won't even tell you why sometimes. They just like and, play yeah. with you. And if you it's dare so ask, up. they beat the shit out of you. Yeah. If you ask, they, they beat the shit. And it's crazy because I had, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, there were our neighborhood friendly drug dealers. But they were always really cool to us, like the kids on the in the neighborhood. Yeah. We used to all we used to like chop it up with them, and they would tell us like them cops when they when they book us, they do not take us down to the station. They take us a couple blocks over under the viaduct, beat the shit out of us, right. and then leave us there. Ridiculous. Have you and ever like been there. pulled over? Yeah, yes. of course. Jesus. We were of course we were pulled over in the middle of Kansas City, fucking Missouri. Oh no! By and he was we we saw that he we were so scared. We saw this man get out of the car. He's like giving sheriff like he has on the hat. He's like yeah. it's very. Fuck. We see that he's a black Everybody. man. We're like okay, okay, maybe this won't be so maybe. awful. It was awful. It was like very oh, no. much this energy of like he made him get out of the car and like get into the passenger seat of like of the, the car. car. Yes, oh, he was the in there for a car. long time. I'm like in the, I'm like in our car, like screaming and crying, like I'm not doing oh, no. well, and like oh, my, my brain just wasn't working. So I opened the door, which is like you should not do, like do yeah, not do. Not. You do not. This do not cop move. like jumps out of the car. He's like screaming at me, like get back in the car, like get back in the car. I'm like, <laughs> it's awful. And then when I when I finally like asked Dylan like what happened when he gets out of the car, it's all this like mind gamey like intimidation weird we were speeding oh you're speeding on our way to the airport it's just but what is that like that does not justify it no what happens after that it oh absolutely not absolutely not none of it it's just awful it's just i don't under it's such a power thing and i don't we we all know it so it's like just at least you acted in a way that i would have acted oh my god absolutely i would have done the same thing i was unwell I, I don't blame you because I would have done the same thing because, like, my mom has gotten pulled over. Um, I don't drive, guys. So when I'm driving, I'm going I'm going under the speed limit. Um, <laughs> even, even, even on the expressway, I'm slow. But I'm my slow. mom, the thing is about my mom, and I've probably said this before, she's a hothead, okay? So she gets pulled over and the cops start talking to her crazy. She's going to start, she's right. going to give it right back. She's going to give them that energy exactly. So every time she would get pulled over when we were kids, I would like start crying because I'm like, they're going to arrest my mom because right. I know she over there talking to these niggas crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know she over there talking. These, but the thing is, is most times she's like, she got three little kids in the back. Yep. They didn't, they didn't really do that to her. But when it was my dad. Oh my God. The thing is, is my dad was very calm, cool and collected. Like he never lost his temper. The only time I ever heard him yell was when he and my mom was fighting. Like I, so he was, every time he got pulled over, it's very hands on the wheel. Don't mm-hmm. look. He tell us, don't say nothing. Don't mm-hmm. look at them. Keep your head down. And I'm like, that's crazy that as a kid, that's how we had to, that's how we had to act. Right. That's really? what had to, that's, that's what we had to like learn. And I have never forgotten that. I have never forgotten that. Not even, oh, not yeah, to yeah, this yeah, day. Things like stick with you. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like cops come around and you have to like strip yourself of all your humanity and like humanness <laughs> to like get it's, through the interaction. Yeah, because yeah. they just like fucking hate black people. It's just it's they do. Even the not black people hate black people, right? And it's 
It's just not cute. And I'm it's not, not cute. And I'm not here. And I'm not here. Like, we're not at all saying, like, oh, every single person hates, like, black people. But the, the fact remains is that you willingly went into a system that was corrupt. Yeah, was, you joined a system that, that exists purely to police and, like, wrangle black people. You joined a system that literally developed, it was reformed from slavery. Right. So... In in that in itself is a because like I I said this before like my granddad was a cop for like thirty years but it's fucked the police now and forever now and forever um and Period. it really I mean watching this scene like really just gives you that um and so after the boys are like let go by these like power hungry cops ugh, I hated this part it goes to um to go see this me is along. like one of the most famous scenes from the movie too this I next know. scene. He goes and he's like extremely upset. Like he's really frustrated. He's screaming. He's like at a breaking point. He's really frustrated yeah. from what just happened. It's all very like understandable behavior. And he's just saying like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. Um, yeah. And it's just an, it's yeah. a reaction that ha- that you expect to happen when you live in this like kind of pressure cooker situation. You can only Absolutely. keep cool for so long. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and then she because comforts like, him there's a, there's a target on your back <laughs> exactly and then she yeah. comforts him and then they do fuck which I do hate but... yeah cause clearly she did that to like comfort him cause he came into her house crying he's and like yeah, I and... never thought I was gonna cry from a female I said, right. and my my issue with my, my thinking about that and why I do hate it so much is because you even see the little clip before like when Nia Long's just trying to do her homework and And she like can't focus because there's police and stuff like no it's not the exact same thing that just happened but she sees the same stuff you see every day and she's right here in the neighborhood she's going through it too and then on top of that she has you pressuring her into having sex she is all the other shit that comes with it and I'm also now expected to like comfort you yeah and now I'm not even just comfort you exactly and I, and it sucks that the way that I'm expected to come for you is like with my fucking pussy. <laughs> like that's yeah. annoying yeah, to me. Up. And it's, it's just up. such a narr- It's a narrative that happens a lot. I feel like that's something that you that I feel like I read in like books. It's like a trope of like, you know, black man has something that makes him feel like less of a man. Something that's as dehumanizing experiences as that. And then like the solution is like I will now fuck to feel like a man. Mm-hmm. And I'm just supposed to push aside. Like I'm scared too. Like I'm maybe I'm not in the mood to fuck. Like I'm my little boyfriend almost right. got you know. And I just yeah, hate that. Right. That's uh, I just hate yeah. that. <laughs> but that is the reality really, situation. That is how people oh, and, and look to black women remember, to do comfort. Yeah. And do you remember? I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Like um that like a docu like mentary where it was like a series like a, a conversation between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin mm-hmm. where basically essentially he was he was trying to explain he's like um well I get it from the world so I come back home and then she's like well you come back home and you give it to me like I'm not getting the same thing from the right. world so now I'm getting it from you yeah. and I'm getting it from them and it's like why do I get the least of you and I'm supp- I'm expected to give all of myself to you mm-hmm. right and it's like no one considers that from black women and what we go through it's yep. crazy black women are literally seen as disposable and it sucks and and and, and yet we're supposed to heal the world right and yeah. yet we're, 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 we were talking to me girls. last week and now i'm the first Absolutely. person you come to see to dump to dump all this on yeah 
And you you wanna you wanna leave all your shit with me? What about me? What about my baggage? You know right. what I mean? Exactly. And I'm not carrying nobody's shit. So yeah, they cry and then they fuck. Then we move into Act Three. Actually, so- <laughs> take it over. That's exactly. I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> so then, um, this act is really short. So yeah, basically, this is where I stopped watching actually because it was a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is a lot. I will say it made me cry. I was the yeah. network crying. It's um, yeah, it's just so then we get to this like, uh, so then we have the parents uh, fighting over uh, Trey. And they're like, well, I want Trey in my house. And she's like, well, he's like, well, it's Trey's choice. And she's like, well, nigga, you don't you shouldn't be thinking you're special for raising your child. Like, you don't you don't get a pat on the back for doing that. <laughs> she's like, together. yeah, I left. She's like, yeah, I left him with you. But that's your son. So you ch- so you 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 are like supposed to do that. You're supposed to raise him. And so then she ends like with that she ends that conversation. They kind of end it in a stalemate. Like it's Trey's choice if he wants to live with you, if he doesn't want to live with you. Yeah. Um and when then she she's says, like, Oh, you sorry, can order. I hate to interrupt you. I just yeah. love when she says it may be cute, but it ain't special. <laughs> but it ain't special. She said you do like single maybe, moms do all the time. Yeah, she was right. And single moms do it every single day. Okay. And are expected to do it every single and day. Are the only difference is that he's it. a man, so he's not expected to do it. And he's being praised for doing the bare minimum of like taking yeah. care of your child. But then, um, so then we get to like the next scene where it's like, um, so these drug dealers, they kind of come up, they show up in this red car. And you, if you've ever been in a neighborhood where you're like, oh, I've seen that car. That's the second time that car rolled around here. <laughs> like if, if it yep. come back around again, my mama would be like, if that car come back around again, y'all bring y'all ass in the house. Because <laughs> we know what's about yeah. to happen if that car come back around a third time. So you got it. Because that's, kind of, that's the way you have to be raised. You have to be vigilant about that kind of shit. The car should. The car pulls up and Doughboy notices that the car is sizing up the situation. So then inside the house, Ricky's just watching TV or whatever, just living his life. And his girlfriend is like, Ricky, I need you to go to the store to get some cornmeal because she's frying some fish. And he's on, he's laying on the couch. He's watching this TV. And then a pro, a promo for the army comes on the TV. And then he gets, he perks up when he sees that. And it's basically like, the, the commercial is basically like, you can be a hero. You can do this. Mm. You can serve your country. And Ricky just kind of like really gets into that. So then he goes out onto the porch. He's about to go to the store for the cornmeal. He tries to get Doughboy to go for him. Doughboy says, no, she didn't tell me to do it. And then he and Doughboy literally get into a fight like on the grass like they're fighting clearly because doughboy's like very jealous of him he's like right. you think you're better he's like you think you're better than me you think you're this and you're that and you're not and all this and they get into a literal physical fight and trey has to break them up and the mom brenda she comes out and she only slaps doughboy yeah. she slaps him like get off of him like why would you do that and then doughboy keeps saying why do you hit me why did you only hit me why did you only hit me and um so that's what happened so then uh ricky and trey go to the store and the test scores show up and mm-hmm. guess who it is delivering the mail it's john singleton oh he's that's playing the cute. mailman that's cute. he's playing the he's playing the mailman that drops off ricky's sat scores so then ricky and trey are on their way to the store and ricky's like listen i think i'm gonna go to the army he's like this whole college football situation is not gonna work out i didn't do well on my test and um i have a future to think about i don't want to end up like doughboy i have a son to think about and i'm gonna go to the army and 
Trey is basically like there. He's t- he's he's repeating everything yeah. that his dad told him. He's like the black man has no place in army. You're not going to be a person. You're going to be a number. Blah blah blah. This and that. So they get so they get the 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 cornmeal from the store. They're on their way back. The car rolls around Ricky and Doughboy like their neighborhood again, and then he's like Doughboy's like oh shit, we need to go because that motherfucker's about to roll up on Trey and Ricky. So Trey and Ricky, like, see the car at the corner, and then Trey's like, stop, because I just saw that car. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like pretending, he's like, he's just like pretending he's talking to him. He's like, but on the inside, he's like, when I say go, we're gonna cut through these houses. But then the car <laughs> speed the car speeds up on them, and they they're now they're running through houses, scaling fences, and then here's the dumbest thing that anyone has ever said in a situation. Let's split up. That is the worst thing to do. We should never split up. Never split up. There is strength in, in numbers. numbers. In numbers. <laughs> so they, they say, let's split up. And they start to walk opposite each other. And Trey, Ricky's like, I'm going to meet you back in my house. So they start to walk opposite each other, trying to split up. And Trey stops because he's like, I, I hear something. He turns around. And Ricky, and then he yells, he sees the red car roll up and the guy is out the leaning out the window with the shotgun and Trey yells, Ricky! Yeah. Ricky turns around to run, uh, drops the cornmeal, one shot through his knee, there goes his football career. Then another shot through damn. his chest, then another shot through his chest, uh, and there goes his life. To see. There goes his life. Do you guys want to know something funny? That actor who played the person who shot him, who's leaning out the car, um, mm-hmm. there's a there's a really uh, interesting true crime story about him, about how he was murdered in prison. Um, oh, yes, I he was, knew that. He was murdered in prison uh, in, as a part of a satanic ritual. Oh, what? Um, yeah, his roommate, his uh, cellmate was, he hated black people, he hated religion, oh. um, and he, he was a Satanist, and he mm-hmm. murdered him as a part of a satanic ritual. He like basically beat him to death, and um, oh, he yeah, and he's laid there in his uh and bled out. But that's not uh what we're on here. So Ricky's <laughs> dead. So my question is because I didn't grow up in a neighborhood similar to this. Why shoot Ricky? Like what? I, that's the part well, I Ricky understand. was the one. Ricky was the one who the guy had had beef with. Mm-hmm. That was the he was the one who was like he was the one who was like uh. He bumped into him, remember? And then, oh, and then yeah, and then Doughboy, oh. like, basically, Doughboy pulled a gun on him. Is like, do we want a problem when he pulled out the gun? And like, when you okay, do that, that like, makes sense. like I said, right. I didn't watch, so I don't reckon I didn't recognize you know their faces as you were telling this story, yeah, this yeah. So the it's the same person, so it's the same person, and he basically is like dead, he's dead, he's laying there yeah. in Trey's arms. All of all of Ricky's blood is on Trey when Doughboy rolls up. And they do possibly the worst thing that you could do in this situation. Pop, like, pick up the body. Oh my god, it's so traumatizing for everybody. Pick up the body, take it home, lay it on the couch on the for couch. the baby, for the woman and the baby to come out and see. Like, uh, And this woman loses her fucking shit. Right. His girlfriend, his, his girlfriend has the baby in her arms, goes over to the dead body with the baby and is screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling and like everybody loses their shit and the mom takes it out on Doughboy. She's like, this yeah. is your yeah. fault. 
you did this. Yeah. And then he and then he leaves the house and then Trey walks over to his house. Everybody's in the neighborhood. They, everybody's outside. Mm-hmm. Trey like walks into his house to get his dad's gun. And then his dad is like, absolutely the fuck not. You gonna you gonna have to shoot me to get through this door to yeah. go out there and do something dumb. So then he goes into his room, his dad thinking he calmed down. Brenda, or not Brenda, I'm sorry, the girlfriend, she comes mm-hmm. in and um he's she's like, What's wrong with Trey? She goes yeah. into his room and this nigga has escaped out the window to go with Doughboy to find these motherfuckers. But a little into that, he gets a conscience and he right. hops out the car. Yes. He hops out the car saying, I can't do this. However, Doughboy and the criminals, they roll up on them at eating. These motherfuckers just chomping on some fries and burgers after they just murdered after somebody murder. in cold blood. Right. Just God. murdered somebody in cold blood and they shoot them. And then one of them is still alive and Doughboy hops out the car to go up and like get like a headshot he's yeah. like turn around he makes him turn around and shoots him in the face and then they go back and then it's the next day and doughboy goes over and he gives this like incredible monologue yeah. about Ugh. just I, about I how because i skipped over a lot of the violent scenes and this yeah. i choked up because it's like they don't care about what's going on in the hood they're talking about all yeah. this violence that's going on all around the world and they didn't talk about what's happening right here in our country, in our neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, our, um, crazy. this monologue was really familiar to me because... <laughs> yes, I, Camille uh, was telling me the story. Oh my God, guys. <laughs> you should have seen me. I was like jumping up and down like, what? <laughs> so I, I, teach, I teach some children some creative writing. I teach a playwriting class. We are working on monologues. And as mm. Doughboy is saying his monologue, I'm like, this is sounding familiar i've only seen boys in the hood one other time before this mm-hmm. yeah. um and then this is just how i watching this film like right before we recorded is how i learned that one of my 11th graders just stole doughboy's entire monologue and <laughs> submitted it as- no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i so he has the line in it that like either they don't know they don't show or don't or just don't care um and i <laughs> Thought that maybe I was like, okay, he he. This is a cute little reference to Boys in the right. Hood. We've got a we've got a cinephile on our hands. Come on, um, cinephile. but it's the entire it's the entire thing. It's like all of the words That's of the monologue. Hilarious. The that it is, is the hilarious to me. That yeah. is actually really funny. I can't even but be yeah. mad because you got you got one yeah. over on us. You no, really absolutely. did. But yeah, so then after that, you know, Doughboy is like, I don't have a mother. I don't have a brother. Like I'm alone. He's like, my days are numbered. He's like, I think they punched the wrong clock on Ricky. Like, it should have been me. And then Mm. Trey, of course, is like, Trey, of course, is like, you still have one brother. He hugs Mm. them. And that's basically where the movie ends. But then the credits roll. And Mm. it does one of those things like, well, this is what happened to this character. So the first thing is like, the next day, Mm. Doughboy buries his brother. Yeah. Two weeks later, he is murdered. Yeah. And then after that, it says Trey went to Morehouse in the fall. And then Brenda was right across from him as Spellman. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so crazy because all of these characters are so damaged. And yeah. so and some of them and some of them and it's like it's such a cycle of violence that just never ever stops. Literally never ends. And like you have to be the one to make that conscious decision, unfortunately, to stop. And it, some people though... and some people don't even have that choice. For Doughboy, yep. there was no other life. Right. It was always gonna end this way for him. I'm sorry, but it was. It was always going to end this way or life in prison. And, and those people sucks. knew, those cops knew it when they arrested him at 10 years old. Exactly. You know, they knew exactly what they, they had just done. 
He had a number then and they marked him. They're like, we know this is not the last time we're going to see you. No. We know this. So guys, um, I don't know if we need to ask. Does <laughs> it, do we need to ask? Does it hold up? I think this is one of the most brilliant, brilliant coming of age movies I have ever seen in my entire life. I think this is a film that should be canon if we're teaching film to directors, if we're teaching film, to people who want to be writers and filmmakers, this is how you do it. I think this is one of those films where like when black people say, oh, you haven't seen A Clockwork Orange, you haven't seen uh, X, Y, and Z, this is what we need to say back to them. Like you haven't seen Boys in the Hood Hood? because it's equally as important. This film is so beyond brilliant for me and it's so triggering, but I think it's so just raw and unfiltered and well done. And I mean- even the few qualms that I do have with it aren't even worth mentioning just because it's such a heartbreaking story because it's so real. Yes. It it's is. so true. To, it's so true to life. Yeah. I did definitely holds up for me. Obviously I had to stop watching in the third act. Yeah. I skipped to the end. So I saw, you know, the monologues and the, but you know, even still everybody, but it, I couldn't watch it. Cause I was like, this is still so real. Like this it's still clearly holds up today. and I'm still so affected by this. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just, I just can't, I can't watch this. And I think it was also too, like, I already knew a lot of these things. So I was easily able to sense, like, I know exactly what's going to happen because these Absolutely. cycles still happen to this day. Right. Still to this day. We, 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 there's, there's no escaping. And it's, it's like, these police have never cared. They These never people cared. have never, and the, and then the, the thing is, is they put us in these, these communities right in the same communities to reoffend. So of course mm-hmm. Gobe was going to go back to prison. You put him in back in this community, but you tell him, sorry, you can't vote. Sorry, you can't work in most places. Sorry, you can't do this. Oh, but you have to get a job. You make it impossible for them to do anything but And then this. you're surprised. And then you're surprised when they reoffend. Right. You've you've done nothing but put them back, and then you're and then you wonder how these things happen. Look at the way you these ghettos. That's why they call them that. They're mm-hmm. they're so segregated. These people probably have to go miles to get fresh food. Miles. Yeah, they're literally living in a food desert. A food fucking desert. There's a corner store, and that's it. Yep. Well, there's no other options, but that's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's literally you've you've done this to them. This very this is such. This film is such classic, a classic example of like such systematic racism and the way that that affects people's literal life, lives. Like this is how people live and die. It's because of this. Right. And that really sucks. I think this is such a brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah. And I think- required sorry. it should be required view i'm sorry i'm just rambling no no you no, no, no. <laughs> like I, i'm just i'm just echoing what you're saying basically like it is it's as important as roots do you know what i mean as show in showing absolutely and showing the world how things work for us and yeah. what we have to go through I, it's that important and it, as i'm watching it i'm like what a what a service it is to the black community to like actually show tell our stories but Mm -hmm. also what this is a movie that white people need to see and the thing is is he could have done a hollywood ending totally where everybody made it out and made it happy but that's not the truth that's not the truth that's not his truth and the and while it's so hard to watch you know like we said that very traumatizing scene of his girlfriend and ricky's mom like 
seeing him. People need to see that. These are not because just bodies on the street. This These is somebody's family. You have the ripple effect that you have caused through someone's family. No, and you know what I forgot to mention? The heartbreaking moment for me. One of the most heartbreaking moments is like after they take Ricky's body and the girl is sitting there like the baby's crying and she spaced the fuck mm-hmm. out. The mom opens the SAT scores and guess what he got? Fucking seven, a seven ten. ten. A seven ten. He got exactly what he Damn. needed to get into because school. Because a big part of whiteness is my is like this of mind games of trying to convince us that we are not capable, that we are not smart enough, that yep. you're not. You show these yep. the fucking army commercials and the, like. Yep. Yep. It's 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 it's, it's a great yeah it's sickening. it's sickening and this film does a really wonderful job of calling out those things it does a great job of tackling a lot of things in one film but that's mm-hmm. honestly because it's not it's all one thing you know what I mean it's, <laughs> it's all this true. one fucking system and this is just the many many ways in which it affects many us. the ripple effect that it has you have right. no idea how deep this shit's run right like people are always like well it's over we've had a black press you have no idea how deep rooted and systematic all this shit is right. and the ways the, the the many ways in which it affects us so it, it, it there is not a part it racism can literally affect your health right. you can't trust doctors when you're black doctors yeah. the very people who are supposed to save your life you can't even trust them you can't trust certain foods. Right. You can't trust. You can't trust the fucking person who's supposed to, uh, who's supposed to keep you safe. You can't trust anything. Yep. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. It's a brilliant film. I feel yeah. like it'll no matter if we ever get to a point where we do dismantle these systems and like. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is Boys in the Hood is a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Gentrification is still Literally. very rampant. Mm-hmm. Cops Literally. are out here copping. Things, yeah. These things are happening. Even if we get to a point where, we're, where we are at a better place than that, this will still be extremely relevant viewing. Because it is Absolutely. really about, it's history. It's about a real, mo- a real moment in time. <laughs> and yeah. I just think it's really yeah. important and everyone should see it. Everyone should see this film, and wow, I'm glad that we watched it because yeah. I think it's something that is. I'm really glad you got to see this, Lyndon, because I think it's like when you're black. Like I saw this film when I was very young, um, yeah. and it kind of has stayed with me forever and ever. So I'm I've I've come back to it so many times. Um, so I'm really glad that we got to watch this. I'm yeah. really, this is a heavy ass conversation. It is. It was, yes. <laughs> this it episode is. is our this episode is probably going to be our longest episode. So if Absolutely. you have made it, so if you have made it all the way to this point, we thank you. Yeah, thank um, you. I'll never and <laughs> you probably not. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe when we watch the Jacksons and American Dream. Um, I mean that should be a, that should be a a four part episode just like the movie. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. Never mind. So um yeah, guys, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Does It Hold Up, brought to you by Textured Air, a brand dedicated to celebrating Black girl culture, past, present, and future. If you like what you heard, please be sure to leave us a five-star review. It really does help. You can find us on social media at Textured Air. That's T-E-X-T-U-R-E-D. 
H-E-I-R, on all platforms. And make sure you check out our other podcast, Where My Girl's At, and The Blacklist, and all of the other content we offer on our website, texturedair.com. Until next time.